three, two, one. And welcome to another edition of the Yeah Guys podcast. I'm your host, Aram, and I am joined with Tony, Parker, and Josh. We had a lot of action going on this weekend, week one of the NFL season and week two for college. Uh, so we'll talk about those games and also predict the next week uh, for college and the NFL. So, uh, Tony, we'll start in the college football realm. Uh, we'll start with the Alabama and Texas game. Bama looked like they were uh, scheduled or not scheduled. They were predicted to win by 20 points. We got the game all wrong. Um, it was a little bit closer towards the end there. Um, but Bryce Young, he made some great plays. Um, and Alabama came up with the, the one-point win, 20-19. to What do you think about it? I would say it was a really uh, classic game. I thought um, at first on paper, you, you didn't really think that it would do much, but uh, I think both teams uh, came out uh, pretty solid, uh, but uh, Texas definitely showed that home atmosphere and they uh, they fed off that, I thought, really well. And their defense made a lot of big plays when they needed to. Also, Alabama was really sloppy. I believe they had like 15 penalties. Um, that was a, I think that was one of the highest that they've had during the Nick Saban era, and uh, they they just like you said, Bryce Young just found a way there at the end. So it's a really good game. Yeah, and also a big hit to the Texas quarterback. Um, they may have stood a better chance if he was in there because their second and third string quarterbacks didn't seem like they had it going for them. So uh, that was partly the reason, maybe, but. Uh, Parker, we'll go to you. I don't know if you watched the game, but it was quite the doozy towards the end there. Yeah, I didn't really catch this game at all. So um, I did see uh, the ending was pretty crazy, though. Kind of surprised that Alabama couldn't put more up, honestly. Yeah, it was it was a hot day in Texas, and um, – they were on Fox for one of the first times in a long time. For me personally, I don't think I've seen on mm -hmm. Fox, but just a different atmosphere for them. It didn't seem like they were um, executing as much as they should have been. But uh, Josh, what'd you think? Yeah, I didn't really watch this one either. It was just kind of one of those that, like, the games that I was watching, it would cut into it here and there and keep us updated. I was surprised. I thought Alabama would beat the brakes off of them. Like, I didn't even think it would be close. But, I mean, I, I was very surprised. From what I heard, I feel like the receivers didn't help out Bryce Young quite as much. But uh, you know, it was still, from what I saw, a very entertaining game, which is nice. Yeah, and another entertaining game. Uh, we'll move on to um, Pittsburgh hosting Tennessee. And this one, um, it looks like they finished in overtime. I was watching it. It was, it was also a really good game. Um, Tony, I don't know if you were able to tune into this one, but very nail-biting towards the end there. Definitely. Uh, yeah, so Pittsburgh did have uh, Keaton Slovis go down with an injury, so they had their backup in for a good portion of the game. But, uh, yeah, T Tennessee really showed up, as I kind of thought they would. They're on the road, um, kind of feeding off that that first week one win and then also just being an SEC team, playing an ACC team. Um, yeah, they just found a way there late. Uh, Pittsburgh had one last gasp there uh, in overtime, and they just couldn't quite get it. It's just too much pressure from the Tennessee uh, defensive line. It was a good game, though, for sure. Yeah, and maybe we can get into this a little later, but it was it was upset uh, upset central uh, this week for college. Um, some notable teams with upsets: App State versus Texas A&M, Marshall versus Notre Dame, and then Washington. 
um, Washington State over Wisconsin. So just a weird week of action, a bunch of upsets, a bunch of tight games. But um, moving on, Parker, what would you uh, think about this game if you're able to tune into it? Um, I did not tune into this one either, and honestly, I didn't see any highlights. But um, it is kind of what one thing that I, I guess, uh, um, see is Tennessee going from being not so good to being a little bit more respectable team out there. So it's good for them, I guess. Yeah, and especially to do it on the road too um, against yeah. a, a really good atmosphere. So um, good points there, Josh. Yeah, uh, I did tune into most of this one, or a good bit of it. It was pretty entertaining. It was back and forth for most of the game. Uh, I think you, know, you can argue that Pitt's quarterback going down maybe hurt them a little bit. I thought their backup played fairly well, all things considered, you know. Uh, pretty crazy even in overtime. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, they might have just had a penalty or two that really kind of screwed them over there late. But overall, it was a very uh, – like the Alabama game, it was super entertaining. Yeah, and I believe um, Pittsburgh's quarterback took a sack as well to really push them back even further, and they had one more play to get into the end zone from like 20 yards out and just didn't work out. But a good effort for Pittsburgh, especially after losing the quarterback. Oh, speaking um, of upsets, uh, BYU yeah. beat Baylor, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think that's going to be on our schedule as well here, but oh yeah, we'll get into that a little later, but you're right, Josh, that was an unbelievable game at I think 2 a.m. for us and 3 a.m. for you, Josh. So we'll get into that after this one, but um, good game for uh, Tennessee and a, a well-deserved uh, win in overtime. Uh, moving on to Florida hosting Kentucky. Um, it looks like uh, Kentucky took the win on this one, and I see a bunch of pictures of them eating gator <laughs> gator meats um, uh, on a day. It's just it's just a funny atmosphere whenever you beat Florida. Um, but Kentucky was able to do it on the road. Impressive win for them, uh, Tony. I believe they're two and zero now. Yes, they are. Um, kind of a disappointing, I guess, performance uh, by Florida. They're coming off the Utah win upset last week. Uh, Anthony Richardson, I, I thought he played all right, but he, he had a really costly uh, pick six there late in the third quarter that gave Kentucky the lead after they kind of were able to hang around. And then their defense just really played solid. Um, I wouldn't say their offense was super great, but, uh, I mean, they did enough, and it was a good team win for Kentucky there on the road for sure. Yeah. Uh, do you, were you able to tune into this one, Parker? I Not a, no. Sorry, Tony, were you going to say something, bud? No, no, no. I, I some reason thought you were going to talk to me. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead, Parker. No, I was just going to say that the only thing I've seen from this game was those alligators getting cooked after the game or whatever happened. That was the only you thing can't, I've seen. Yeah, you can't really beat the celebrations for college. <laughs> um, anything else on this one, Parker? No, nah, I mean, it's kind of shocking, I guess, that, you know, Florida would, would lose at home to Kentucky. But Kentucky was one of those teams last year that, you know, we would go back and forth on of, you know, are they elite or are they not elite? Or, you know, can they beat a big name school or can they not? And, I mean, Florida's pretty big name. So I would say that they, you know, accomplished that this week. Yeah, they're a good team. They're tough, and especially showing it on the road. That's impressive. Uh, Josh, what about you? Yeah, I don't think I got to watch too much of this one, but I, I kind of had a feeling it was coming. Uh, you know, Florida's coming off of, like, a huge upset. You can kind of see them riding, like, a little bit of a celebration a little too long, I guess, off of that. 
I thought 12 was way too high of a ranking uh, week two for him, honestly. Um, and so I'm not super surprised that Kentucky won. Uh, I mean, they won by 10. If I'm not mistaken, it was closer than what the score predicted or the score was. I think they scored either like a garbage time field goal or touchdown to really put the nail in the coffin. But, uh, yeah, this was another uh, close game, too, and uh, super entertaining to watch. Yeah, and Josh, one of the games you just mentioned, um, ninth Baylor at 21 BYU. Uh, this game lasted until 2 a.m. Uh, Tony, we'll start with you. There was a bunch of missed field goals in overtime, back and forth action. It was just an awesome game. I don't know if you guys consider this an awesome game, watching missed field goals, but to watch the crowd reactions when they, uh, when the away team misses the field goal and then they're excited and their home team misses the field goal and they're all disappointed. Tony, what did you think of that one? Again, another classic. Um, it's just a perfect storm for a, for a really solid uh, game. It sucks that this game was on so late. But uh, I mean, at least it was. At least you got the West Coast people that could watch it and whatnot. But yeah, just crazy to see back and forth. It's like no one wanted to win the game. Um, and then uh, what's really interesting to me is uh, Baylor really focused in on just running the ball. Um, I, if I'm not wrong, uh, their last two plays of overtime, the the third down and then the fourth down, their final play, I believe were passes, but. Leading up to that, I mean, they were run heavy the whole time. So I don't know if that was a, a design play or if there was something wrong with the quarterback or whatever. But, yeah, a, a gutsy win by uh, BYU, I guess. I know they're at home, but still it was a it was a good win and a good team performance for them to, to beat Baylor. Well, Parker, were you able to, to watch this one? I did not watch this one at all. I, this one was probably like the least on my on my radar. But you know, like you guys said, an, another upset, which was another trend this week. So, yeah. And what about you, Josh? Yeah, I tuned in late in this one. Thought it was funny that you know that last play of the game, fourth down, you got to have a touchdown, and he just like throws it to the goalpost, like not even close. <laughs> yeah, you know, didn't even really give his guys a chance, but. Yeah, I was actually going to mention the same thing as Tony. Uh, went back and checked out the box score, and Baylor had more rushing yards than passing yards, which I feel like is super rare nowadays. It was only like 15 more, give or take, so it was still pretty close, pretty even, but it was a surprise to see them commit to running the ball like they did. Well, and uh, BYU ended the night storming the field, so uh, good night for them. And I believe they're 2-0 uh, as well um, with a big win at mm -hmm. home. Um, so moving on, uh, a guy we haven't talked about too much, Tony, uh, especially last week, uh, Caleb Williams, um, kind of lighting up the scoreboard uh, this week and against, a, um, I think, the, a pretty good Stanford team at home. 41-28 um, USC with an offensive explosion led by uh, Caleb Williams. What do you think? It's fantastic performance, I thought. First half, um, I think he had five touchdowns there in the first half. Um, their offense just looked lethal. To be honest, Stanford was kind of able to, like, kind of keep it close there in the first, and then it really seemed like U USC kind of, like, got out of their stuff there in the second half. Um, I think they only got six points the entire second half, and Stanford was able to uh, to make it a lot closer than it was early. But, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when you kind of get that big of a lead, you kind of just start playing, like, you know, game management. So I, I can understand that and just – Great job from everybody on the Trojan offense. Uh, they 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 lit it up. 
I'll give him that. Parker. Yeah, I just want to say uh, Jordan, Jordan um, Addison had seven receptions for 172 yards and two touchdowns, so he also uh, was the contributing factor, the transfer from Pitt, as you guys remember from last season. So just he's going to be a, probably a, a high receiver taken in the draft whenever he declares. So good game for him. They had a, an explosive offense. This should be fun to watch them because I'm not sure – uh, maybe, Tony, you can talk about this when we get to the rankings, but uh, coming into the game, they were the 10th-ranked team, and you got to think that maybe they, they jump up a little bit more, but uh, we'll see. Uh, but, Josh, what do you think about the game? Yeah, I didn't actually get to tune into this one, but I did see the stat that at halftime, Caleb Williams, I think, had more touchdown passes than incompletions, which is a wild stat for a first half. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive from them. Uh 41-28, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see just how far USC is really able to climb in the, in the rankings this year, you know, in the Pac-12 that's generally being viewed as a pretty weak conference, so. Well, and who knows, maybe if they're able to put together games like this on a constant basis, maybe Caleb Williams sneaks into the Heisman candidacy. Who knows, because, I mean, this guy can ball. He's got a cannon of an arm, too, um, and it looks like he's in an awesome system. So uh, just a good situation for them in USC. Uh, moving on, we have another, um, I guess, the field storm game where Texas Tech takes on Houston, 25th ranked Houston. They're no longer ranked. Uh, because of this, they uh, lose 33-30. to 30. Um, Honestly, very competitive game, but um, coming off a close game against UTSA, Houston um, should have bounced back this week um, against the 1-0 Texas Tech. Um, but Texas Tech, they're a tough team, apparently. 33-30, <laughs> to 30. Tony, what do you think about it? Definitely. Uh, I think this is a game that Houston will for sure be uh, looking back on and kind of wondering how we lost because uh, they took a 20 to 17 lead with just 37 seconds left. And uh, Texas Tech was a- still able to go down in 34 seconds. So with three seconds left, they were able to get a field goal to send it to overtime and then kind of craziness happened there. Um, as well as also just not being able to get a touchdown in overtime. I- I know at the end of the day, when you go first, you know, the main objective is to get points. But anytime you you can get a touchdown over a field goal, I mean, it means a lot because then you kind of got that safety net, I guess. But big win uh, by Texas Tech. Really solid performance from their quarterback, Donovan Smith. He uh, threw a lot of – had a lot of passing yards and was able to make um, some good plays on the ground as well. So it's a big win for them. Parker, what did you think about it? Yeah, you see a double overtime game, you know, it's, it must be a good game. So, unfortunately, I didn't get to a chance to tune in, but um, just looking around at the stats, I mean, some of these guys, like, lit up the stat sheets. So, it was kind of uh, – uh, looked like it was a very um, entertaining game, to say the least. Yeah, and um, this is a game that Texas Tech was favored to win by three. Um, and I wasn't able to get it right, but it looks like – um, I think Parker and Tony were able to get the tie because Texas Tech covered. So uh, well done on this. Both sides don't think get it if it's a tie. Oh, never mind then. So it looks like it's a yeah guy's tie. I got to move that to yellow, don't I? <laughs> uh, Josh, uh, over to you. Yeah, um, I didn't tune into this game either, though. When I first looked at the stats, uh, I saw Houston had like four turnovers. I was like, yeah, that's that'll probably do it. You know, they always. Coaches always talk about winning the turnover battle. But then I look at Texas Tech, and they had – I think they had five themselves, you know. So, 
Actually, no, they only had they had three interceptions. They had they also had three fumbles, but they didn't lose any of them. So I guess wow. they I guess Houston technically <laughs> lost the turnover battle four to three. So I guess that I mean in a three possession or in a three point game, every possession counts. So those those turnovers are really emphasized in a close game like this. Yeah. Well, kind of moving over to more of the depressing uh, team of the year, I would say, Iowa and Iowa State. Um, it looks like the Iowa Hawkeyes had a chance to win the game late uh, with the game tying field goal, but they're, they came up short. But uh, at the end of the day, if you look at the score, 10 to 7, Iowa State. Um, Tony had is just, I don't know, <laughs> after a, a weird week one where they barely won the game um, and now losing to Iowa State at home. Uh, not the best. Uh, first couple games for them, huh? Oh, yeah. When when you have 14 total points scored in your first two home games, that's never a real good thing. Uh, they got off to a fantastic start. You know, less than three minutes in, they got a touchdown. Uh, and then their offense basically, in, in all intents and purposes, went silent. Um, and that really kind of concerns me also because, I mean, this is a – rivalry game so you should be able to like you should have that that aggressiveness and, and competitiveness kind of build up inside Jim and will want to go out there and play really well against your rival and Iowa definitely didn't do that especially at home uh so yeah it was uh I, I don't know I mean I feel like they're out their defense did all right for the most part I mean they held Iowa State to three points until the fourth quarter but yeah like their offense like it's not doing them any favors. So I don't know if they need a quarterback change or, or what exactly it is, but I just feel like Petrus is not really the the guy right now that I feel like can get it done. Uh, 12 for 26, 92 yards, an interception, and a QBR of 12.1. So definitely not getting, not getting the quarterback <laughs> play that they need to, especially having a good defense. Uh, that mm -hmm. defense kind of deserves a – um, oh, yeah, a, a compatible offense and a quarterback, so they're just not getting it. Uh, Parker, um, when no one probably watched this game, but uh, were you able to check out the, the highlights or the stats on this one? Yeah, I'm just looking at the stats for Petrus right now, and it's really not looking too good. Um, he only he's completed 23 of 51 on the year, 45 percent, uh, two interceptions, zero passing touchdowns. Two fumbles, just all around. Not not too good. He has yet he his his passing on his passing high in the season is 109 yards. I mean that's we <laughs> win that a lot of games. First couple quarters yeah. of a game. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I think Josh, we need to move on from him. I, I agree, Josh. You were the the only one yeah. who got this game right for the prediction. <laughs> so, what'd you think about it? The thing is, I feel like a lot of Iowa fans that have seen their team play think that as bad as their quarterback has been, the backup from what they see or what they think is worse. It's getting to a point where you have to start thinking he can't be that much worse and something's got to change. I mean, looking at the stats of this game, 92 yards passing, 58 rushing. So you had 150 yards of total offense. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so it's not like they're like driving down the field and they're just struggling to get in the end zone or anything like that. You know, their yards aren't even like they're not they're not driving the ball down the field. It's 
it's really, <laughs> really bad. And yeah, you, I mean, you would you would think you would hope that holding your opponent to ten points generally can result in a win. But I mean, that's I don't know. I don't know if they need to change the system, personnel, or what. But they it's <laughs> tough to watch. They got to figure something out with that offense over there. Yeah, and coming from a year that they made the playoffs, um, definitely not something you want to see. Um, so, uh, Josh, I guess we can kind of continue with you real quickly. If you had a chance to check that Clemson game, um, if you want to recap it or something for the yeah guys and see uh, uh, maybe your uh, your thoughts on the game if you have them. Yeah, sure. Uh, beat Furman, I believe it was something along the lines of 35 to 12. Did not look very good. Uh, it was kind of surprising. You know, Furman, obviously a small school. Uh I think Dabo said, you know, their only win was a 52-55 to nothing blowout, so they didn't really get a lot of good film on them. But, uh, yeah, Furman kind of drove the ball down the field. Furman actually had more total yards than Clemson this game, which is wild. Uh, Furman, they – it's like simple screen passes and stuff. The defense, you know, it's it's weird to say that giving up 12 points, you know, like a touchdown, a failed two-point conversion, and like a – you know, a couple field goals or whatever. It's weird to say that only 12 points feels like a bad performance, but like I said, Furman outgained Clemson in terms of yardage. Uh, you could probably chalk some of that up to Clemson having a huge lead and not really trying to push the ball later in the game, but uh, I don't know. I thought DJ looked really good personally. His receivers, I think, really didn't help him out. You were Again, you're looking at two or three passes that are hitting receivers in the hands that they're just dropping, and if they catch them, these are 50-yard touchdowns, you know. So that's unfortunate. Cade came in with uh, – he got one drive with the ones late in the first half, and he looked really bad. Uh, he very antsy, didn't stay in the pocket, uh, and I, I think he got one first down in that drive and then had like a, a three and out right after that or something. Or, yeah, but he, he didn't really impress. It uh, kind of shows, I guess, it's it's DJ's to DJ's spot for a little longer, at least. So, yeah. Overall, uh, I mean, a win is a win, but uh, I mean, you also, I guess, have to factor in the short week coming off of a Monday night game. Um, but uh, I mean, not it, it wasn't a pretty win by Clemson standards. Well, they open up as thirty-four point. Um, I guess uh, they, they're predicting Clemson to win by 34 points next week against Louisiana Tech. So um, we'll see if they can get it done at home and cover the spread. But, uh, Tony, before we get into uh, the predictions for next week, um, if you want to go over some of the headlines, any injuries, or just uh, the top 25, if you want to go over that, I'll let you take it away. All right. I'll, I'll go over a couple of headlines I saw. First of all, uh, sure. pretty big news for uh, Notre Dame. Uh, their starting quarterback, Tyler Buckner, is going to have shoulder injury or shoulder surgery. I'm sorry. Uh, and he'll be out four months. Um, so they will be going to their backup, Drew Pine. Uh, he played a few games last year with them. Um, so that'll be interesting to see uh, how that goes. Um, I guess just a kind of another school that's kind of in the mix, kind of like Michigan, uh, Ole Miss has said that uh, Lane Kiffin still ha- isn't set on his two uh, quarterbacks who's going to be the starter. They got uh, Luke Altmeyer and Jackson Darts. Jackson Darts notably is a transfer from USC. 
Um, they both started one game and they, they've won both their games, but he still hasn't decided yet. So we'll see it, uh, who they decide to go with that. Uh, Kentucky, big news for them after their uh, upset win on the road. They'll be getting their star running back, Chris Rodriguez Jr., um, who will play his first game, uh, I believe, this coming week. Or uh, excuse me, no, uh, October 1st. Excuse me. Um, he had like an academic issue because um, of some off-field stuff, but he'll be back. He rushed for over 1,300 yards last year, so he'll be a, an added weapon for that Kentucky offense. Um, also, with uh, the game that we talked about earlier between Tennessee and Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh coach Pat Narduzzi has talked kind of about Keaton Slovis and Nick Patty. Those were the two guys that were kind of uh, banged up. Um, Slovis definitely was out. Patty, I guess, uh, hurt part of his uh, left leg. Um, he still kind of played through it, but he said he, I guess as the week moves on, we'll know a little bit more about their status. Um, a big loss for South Carolina, the Gamecocks. They lost arguably their best defensive starter, uh, Jordan Strachan. Uh, he tore his ACL last week uh, against Arkansas. And with Georgia coming up this coming weekend, that's not going to help them at all. Um, so that's pretty much the biggest headlines that I saw. Um, did you want me to go over the top 25 or would you like to do that later? We can also do it later if you have any, I guess, surprising makes. I think um, obviously Houston is one where they are no longer in the top five. Were there any surprising ones? I can pull it up while you go over it, but um, what was something that was uh, surprising to you with the rankings, if you have any? Um, I would say... USC went up by three points, or in the yeah, three rankings, I guess. That's pretty interesting to see USC. I guess just because I know they had a great game against a non-conference team last week, but to see Oregon back there in the twenty-five, the top twenty-five, mostly again due to um, all the upsets, all the people that were like middle ranking or whatever, and they went like out. Um, seeing Texas A&M drop eighteen spots to twenty-fourth is pretty noticeable yeah. or pretty noteworthy. That's that goes to show you how the committee feels about that. You don't normally see a team lose 18 spots in the rankings like that, mm -hmm. um, but they they just really stunk it up. Uh, Penn State in the top 25 for the first time this season, so that's pretty big for them. Um, to be honest, I, I didn't really know that Ole Miss was in the rankings for the first two weeks, but they are, so congratulations to them for that. Um I guess Texas, even though they lost, they still yeah. felt that they played. Yep. Yeah, they felt that they played against Alabama well enough that they actually went from not ranked to 21st ranked. I thought that That's was an interesting. interesting. Um, you normally don't see that team go up in the standings after a loss, but I guess I guess they felt confident about it, especially against uh, or on the eve of also losing Quinn Ewers for uh, I think like two months. So, I, again, I don't know why they removed them up, but I guess it is what it is. So yeah, that's Penn, State, Penn State and Oregon also uh, creeping up in the rankings as well. And uh, Pittsburgh taking a lot of uh, damage there, going down by six uh, rankings. So um, we have an interesting week coming up and kind of looking ahead just a little bit. Next week is when you get some really, really good games. So uh, we got some good games this week. Um, we'll hop into some predictions. Um, and we'll start with the 12th ranked BYU team going to 25 
uh, ranked Oregon with Oregon being favored to win by three and a half. Tony, we'll start with you. Um, what are your thoughts on this game? And do you think Oregon covers? I really do want to pick BYU because I think that they do have a really solid team. But I think Oregon at home, I think they find a way to get it done. Um, so I think Oregon will win, and I think they, they cover the, the spread. Gotcha. And what about you, Parker? Yeah, I'm going to be with Tony. I think uh, I think Oregon covers. And Josh? Uh, I'll take... I'll take BYU in this one. BYU plus three and a half. Yeah, I am also taking BYU in this one. Um, I think overall, I think BYU has a little bit of a better defense, and I uh, hope they uh, wake up to play on the road because it's going to be a, a good atmosphere um, at 2.30 in Oregon. So uh, I'm taking the BYU team to, I guess, <laughs> plus three and a half. I guess that's how you say it. So um, next up, we are going to uh, 22nd ranked Penn State now in the rankings um, at Auburn, 2-0, but they are not ranked. Um, and looks like the line for this one is Penn State by three. So, Tony, you can start it off. Um, I, I think I'll take Penn State. Um, I, I think Auburn has played two nobodies in their first week, so it's no surprise that they're 2-0. They played uh, Mercer and San Diego or San Jose State. Uh, last week they really struggled against San Diego. I want to keep calling them San Diego, San Jose State. They struggled against them a little bit, so I think that might carry over. So I think Penn State will win, and uh, they'll they'll cover the, the the three points. Okay, Parker. Yeah, I'm I'm taking Penn State as well. I just feel that Penn State's offense uh, will will propel them uh, to a uh, victory. So I, I'm and, taking Penn State. And you, Josh. Yeah, I'm going to rock with Penn State on this one as well. Like, Auburn only beaten San Jose State by eight last week. Doesn't really uh, impress right. me all that much. So, I'll take Penn State plus three. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you guys. I think they cover as well. Um, should be a good game, though, uh, nonetheless. So, uh, next we'll go to a potential upset, according to the, the, uh, the prediction here. It's 11th-ranked Michigan State at Washington. Um, and looks like Tony Washington is favored to win by three points at home. So what do you think about it? I think this one definitely could be a wild card because Washington State's offense has been really, really solid their first two games. Uh, 45 points in their first game and 52 points last weekend. Michigan State's still pretty solid as well. I, I think that there's no surprise that, that they're ranked, but I'm kind of surprised that the – the favorite? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Michigan State's defense is allowing 13 points across two games. I don't really know how you can get that much better. Um, so I'm actually going to go uh, – I'll say Michigan State um, plus uh, three and a half. So I'll, I'll take Michigan State with an upset on the – or in, an upset on the road, I guess, if you will. Okay. So you're actually taking Michigan State uh, by three because the, the line is three. So you're taking yep. – um, so you're missing cover. Okay. So what about you, Parker? Yeah, I'm taking Michigan State as well. Sorry, the line is three and a half. My bad. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. That's okay. You said you're taking what? Michigan State? You're taking Michigan, Michigan State? State? Yeah. Yes. So he's Are taking... they not favored to win? 
No, no. it's Washington three and a half. Gotcha. It's I mean yeah, it's I'm odd to me. Yeah, I'm taking Michigan State as well. It's kind of odd to me that I mean they've both played two no name schools, but for whatever reason, <laughs> no right? Washington is Washington is a the home favorite over the 11th ranked team. That's just odd to me. I'll take. I'll gladly take Michigan State if I and the points. Yeah, that's. I'll take that. Yeah, I'm uh, with you guys. Um, should be an interesting one to watch. Maybe it becomes a blowout later later in the game for Michigan State, but uh, maybe Washington prevails at home. Uh, next, we got Miami, 13th ranked Miami, um, at 24th ranked Texas A&M. And it looks like Tony, Texas A&M is favored to win by five and a half uh, in Texas. So yeah. uh, what do you think? It'll be an interesting game. I'm, I'm really looking to see how Texas, as you know, me being a Canes fan to a certain degree, uh, I, I will say it'll be interesting to see how Texas A&M's offense responds to how they played last week. Um, I will take the Canes. Uh, I, I can't go against them. Just because, so I think uh, I'll take Miami uh, uh, plus five and a half. I'll take Miami plus five and a half. Yeah. Now, Aram, has the has it has it like uh, changed, or is this is this like accurate, or is it's, this like a few days? It's still five and a half. Yeah. Yeah, it's still five and a half. It's favorite to win. That's that's actually kind of that's kind of wild, but um, yeah, I'm taking Miami as well. Just kind of how they played last week. Miami has been like busting teams and like they're not fair to win. I don't know, but I don't know. I'm, I'm taking Miami. I think that they have a good offense, a good uh, first uh, first year head coach in uh, Maribel. Something Mario. Christopher. Yeah. Christopher. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. And I, I believe he used to be at um, Oregon, right? That's correct. No, I think that, yeah, no, I like Miami too uh, with you, Tony. So I think uh, Miami – upset Texas and um what about you Josh yeah this game is very 50-50 to me I have a hard time believing that Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M lose back-to-back games at home mm-hmm. um, that that five and a half like I could very easily see A&M winning and not covering which makes me lean towards Miami but um I'm going to go against my gut on this one. I'm going to take A&M minus the five and a half. I'll, I, like I said, I could totally see Miami winning this game or at the least covering, but uh, I don't know that I see A&M losing back-to-back games at home. So I'll take Texas A&M minus the five and a half in this one. Okay. Yeah, this is a tough one for me as well. Probably one of the toughest on the week, uh, to be right. honest, other than the Oregon-DYU game. I haven't watched too much of both teams, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think I want to take Miami on the road uh, just to be with you guys, Tony and Parker. Sorry, Josh. Uh, I'm taking Miami. Um, so I'm saying that Texas A&M does not cover the spread. Uh, moving on, we kind of have a, a weird one, but I felt like we kind of have to do it because Notre Dame uh, dropped the game against uh, Marshall last week, and uh, it looks like they're all going downhill there in Notre Dame. But, Tony, do you think they – um, come up with a win against Cal at home with uh, Notre Dame being uh, favored to win by 10 and a half. You know, I hope so. Uh, according to the ESPN matchup predictor, they have a 91.1% chance to win 
but we could have probably said that going into the Marshall game last weekend and look what happened. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Drew Pine there be the the uh, starting quarterback for uh, the, the Irish here moving forward. He hasn't really impressed much. I mean, to be honest, that offense hasn't impressed much. But um, I guess I'll, I'll take – I'll take Notre Dame. Uh, I think there's no way they lose three in a row, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, ten and a half is a lot of points too, so. Yeah, I think they win, but I, I don't think they cover, though. I think they win, but California keeps it actually close because California is 2-0. and So I think Notre Dame wins, but they don't cover the, the ten and a half okay. spread. Perfect. And what about you, uh, Parker? I'm I'm feeling with uh, with with you, Tony. That that sounds like a pretty accurate thing. I I have a, a tough time believing you know that they lose again. And like you said, Cal, they've got to be a decent team. Uh, surely better than 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 Marshall, right? I mean, and yeah, you know, they played them, but I guess we'll see. Um, you know, this week, but uh, no, I'm with Tony. I I think that exact same thing. Gotcha. So they win, but they. Do not cover the spread of ten and a half. So, uh, what about you, Josh? What do you think? Yeah, I'm um, honestly same same thought press process on this one. I mean, Notre Dame's put up ten points and twenty one points in their two <laughs> games, and I mean, if you if you're telling me they only put up twenty one against Marshall and they're supposed to beat Cal by ten, they haven't put up more than twenty all season, even though it's only two games. I think ten and a half is a lot to cover. So. Uh, I could still see them winning. I mean, they. Uh, I mean, for Marcus Freeman's sake, I guess I hope they do. But uh, I don't. I don't know. That's too many points to, for me. Uh, so I'll take. I'll take Cal with the points. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Freeman escapes the building um, alive if he doesn't win this game. So, so I mean, that's just ten and a half is a lot of points. So I'm not going to take them to cover that. But I do think that they're going to win the game. But uh, looks like we all think that. Uh, they do not cover the spread, which is interesting. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for, for college football. We have some interesting games, but uh, keep an eye out for next week because that's going to be a really good week. But I'm uh, looking forward for uh, week One more three. update real quick. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we mentioned Scott Frost was fired as the Nebraska yeah. coach. I, was, I forgot that. You, you're right. You're right. Uh, Scott Frost was uh, fired after Nebraska lost at home to Georgia Southern. Uh Yikes, an out-of-conference opponent that definitely is not – I don't believe they're Division One, Or maybe no. they are. No, no they're not. I, I'm not sure. If I'm not mistaken, I think they're in the sun, – not sun, sun Belt, SoCon. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yeah, it's, it's not that. a P5 for right. sure. Mm -hmm. But you have to uh, really do something wrong to be fired in week two of the college season. Right. That's, and, uh, that's miserable. In five plus seasons, he went 16 and 31. So, yeah, definitely almost two games under 500, uh, or almost double under 500 of what his wins were. So, yikes. Yeah, I uh, can totally understand that. Really had a lot of hype coming from UCF and that that special period of time that Central Florida had, um, but definitely didn't, it didn't work out. So, we'll see. Yeah. Well, um, putting a wrap on college football, we'll move over to the NFL. Week week one has uh, wrapped up, and there's a lot to talk about. So I guess we'll we'll go down the list here. Um, I'll go based off of my 
my list here. Um, so we'll start with the Eagles at Lions. Um, and we'll do a different order this time. We'll do Parker, Josh, and Tony. So Parker, um, we had another uh, kind of a nice battle between the Lions and the Eagles um, with the Eagles again coming up top uh, uh, on the scoreboard, 38 to 35. What'd you think about this one? Yeah, um, it it looked like the Lions of, of last year, to be honest with you. Um, you know, stay along in the game, stay along in the game, stay along in the game. And then just can't find a way to, you know, win the game at the end. And, you know, Philadelphia, we've seen a great game from um, the newly acquired wide receiver who is like, you know, a beast. So he, he did all right. Did did uh, Devontae Smith play? He did. And I don't think he caught a ball. He was thrown he, to a couple times. Oh, my he God. Four, he, yeah, yeah, he's he in my fantasy targets. team. Zero. Zero yeah. catches. Yeah. Four targets, zero receptions. That's kind AJ of Brown concerning. <laughs> dominating the target share over there. Um, yeah, Ten receptions, 155 yards. That's kind of concerning for him, but, uh, you know, hopefully they yeah. can figure that out. But, yeah, definitely the uh, Lions of, of old, you know, I mean, they can put up points, but can't, you know, finish at the end of the game, so. Yeah. And Parker, we were talking about it while it was happening. Before Jared Goff, there is, uh, I think, I think maybe two, three touchdowns towards the end of the game. He was, I don't even remember the the completions and, and attempts. Yeah, he was like six one. yards or something. Yeah, like 14 yards maybe. And it was not good for Jared Goff until that the third quarter hit. And then he, I think even fourth quarter hit and then he kind of hit a stride. But I don't know, kind of shaky for a week one game for the Lions, but they're able to crawl their way back. Um, to make it a little bit close, but uh, Josh, we'll go with you. What do you think about this one? Yeah, um, I mean, I kind of think of it, I guess, almost from a fantasy perspective. I didn't really get to watch this game, but, you know, the Eagles had some solid performances. I mean, you have to think when you put up 38 points, there's some guys that are going to put up some some fantasy points. Uh, kind of surprised that it was as close as it was, honestly. I feel like I definitely expected the Eagles to run away with this one a little bit more, but it uh, seems like the Lions are, you know, they're, they're still – they're making progress. They're not there yet, but they're they're getting better. Yeah, they have a good run game, so that's what they got going for them. Uh, Tony, what'd you think? Uh, as Josh uh, mentioned, yeah, a lot of contributions from the from the Eagles across the board. I thought a really solid effort from uh, on on the other side. Uh, DeAndre Swift had a really solid game on the ground, 144 yards, um, but still just wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. I think. When, when when you see that Philadelphia outscored Detroit 38 to 14 in between the second and third quarter, I think that kind of tells the uh, pretty much all you need to know about the game. So it, it was just a huge rush of points, and as you mentioned, Detroit made it closer late. They got some points in the fourth quarter, but just not enough. Yeah, and this is what I guess making this is what makes predictions not the not the funnest time because Philly was uh, projected to win by four points and they, uh, the Lions crawled their way back to make it a uh, three deficit game. So if you, we, we all thought the Philly would uh, cover the, the spread, but uh, we were all wrong. So <laughs> thank you yeah. Detroit for coming back on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on, we got our first tie of the season and I don't, there's a lot to think about when it comes to this game. Um, Parker, I don't know if you watched it, the Colts and Texans, it looks like. The Texans were up by a ton, um, but then the Colts scored 17 points in the fourth quarter to tie it up. 
and it was just back and forth in overtime. And um, I think Lovey Smith punted the ball away, and there's some controversy with that when he could have taken a win. Uh, he goes with the tie, but uh, what, what would you think about this one? Honestly, one of the weirdest, uh, you know, week one games I, I think I remember seeing in quite some time. Um, a game where you look at the the running for this or the 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 rushing stats for the Texans, Rex Burkhead, right? Fourteen rushes, forty yards. He outrushed who many perceived to be RB one, this Pierce fellow, and he didn't. You know, he only got eleven uh, carries. Jeff Driscoll, I think he's the back. Is he the? No, oh, yeah, he's the backup quarterback. Yeah, but he was third on their team with five yards on a, on a, on a rush, and then Davis <laughs> Mills that. on the board. So it's just this kind of strange you see that and just a ton of, of targets in the receiving game, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different targets in the receiving game. So Texans are just kind of – I feel like they're just kind of trying to figure it out. And on the other side of the ball, the Colts, you'd think that, you know, with Matt Ryan coming to town that – you know, we would see a little more professional offense from, you know, Carson Wentz last year. And once again, we're seeing a really strange, you know, Matt Ryan offense. Yeah, he put up a bunch of yards, but I felt like at times like he looked lethargic and slow and just wasn't, you know, that on point. I mean, 50 attempts, I mean, that's a lot of passing. So, and a lot of rushing. Jonathan Taylor, 31 rushes. That's that's wow. a lot of carries for, for him and a lot of throws for the quarterback, and they still can't find a way to win the game. So, wow. I don't know. I do have to say, I do have to give credit to Lovey Smith. I mean, if it wasn't for a 17-point comeback in the fourth, um, they would have won this game uh, outright. And I thought Lovey Smith did a great job against Matt Ryan until, until the I guess, the Colts came back into the game. But uh, Lovey Smith, I guess, is going to be that coach for the Texans that just keeps them – in the game, I don't think they're going to be winning a bunch of games, but it's going to be like this. Um, they have a really good defense. I got some good pieces, especially with some uh, rookie corners and just young corners and a young safety. Um, they were balling out there yesterday, just looking at the game. Um, but there's got to be some a source of urgency with the, with the Colts because I don't really know what they want to be doing. Are they trying to rebuild? Are they trying to win it all? Like, you can't really tell by how they're playing. Um, and this stems back right. to last year, losing to Jacksonville, um, who they get this week. Uh, so a lot of storylines there. But uh, Josh, uh, I don't know if you watched this one, but uh, what do you think? Yeah, um, I think that to an extent, they're kind of like Parker said, their offense with Matt Ryan at times didn't really look all that different from their offense with Carson Wentz, which was you know, a bit of a, a surprise. Uh, Again, from a more of a, like a fantasy perspective, I think a lot of owners of Damian Pierce thought he was going to be the the RB one, and he obviously wasn't. Rex Burkhead took those duties. It was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, Burkhead's known as like the the more uh, the better receiving back. You know, so he's got more usage, and I believe that's why Lovey Smith said that uh, Burkhead was their guy. But uh, if Pierce is the more explosive runner, you would have thought that. He would have at least seen a lot more snaps, you know, later in the game when they were when they still had that lead, and you, you would yeah. think they just, they just need to burn the clock. Um, so that was that was kind of interesting. Um, again, like three hundred, nearly what three hundred fifty passing yards for R Matt Ryan. That's that's wild. Um, 
you, you, yeah. you would look at this if you looked at the stat sheet for the Colts, you would think they blew somebody out, like had to. But uh, yeah, so uh, just a overall, just kind of a weird game to start the season out, honestly. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Michael Pittman owner, I'm sure you're thrilled because <laughs> Matt Ryan just looks his way the entire time. Um, so it's Jonathan um, Taylor and Pittman. Yeah, I, and going back to that decision to punt, like that's so weird to me to play for the tie. You know, like if I'm right. if I'm a head coach, I just feel like I would rather lose trying to win than give up and not try to win at all. I, I don't know. That's that, I guess that's just my thought process on it, though. Yeah, and the Texans haven't won a lot of games in the past year, so maybe they think a tie is a win in their book, uh, but I'm not too sure. Um, moving on. Uh, oh, and for the prediction side of it, we didn't get it right because the Colts favored it with my seven. They didn't do their job, and um, that's another yeah, guys, sweep in the diff- in the wrong direction. So um, go- moving on, we got uh, the Browns and Panthers. We got Baker Mayfield's revenge game, if you want to call it. Um, but the Browns, Sparker, they come up with a, a last-second field goal, um, and they ruin the Panthers' hopes for a week one win, especially Baker Mayfield, over his former team. Yeah, um, the first time since 2004 that the Browns won in week one, so I don't know how many years that is, like 18 years or something like that. That's like actually like wild, but um, <laughs> you imagine starting the season off 0-1 for 18 years straight. <laughs> we lads back in the day. Um, just another concerning, just, just to, I don't know, Jacoby Brissett, we all know he's not the guy, but I, I mean, they might seriously have to try to get an outside source or maybe even roll with his backup or something because their running back, Nick Chubb, had 141 yards. That is only six yards shy of what their quarterback totaled in passing, which was 147 yards. So I just think that, um, you know, if, if if they want to be in a position to make the playoffs when uh, Watson comes back, they're going to need to find someone else to to give them a little bit more at the quarterback uh, position than uh, Bruce said at, at this point in time. Um, and just going over to the other side, Baker Mayfield, um, you know, he – I don't know. I, I feel like he had a pretty average day. Um, didn't do anything, like, totally crazy, but had a few nice throws and – um, you know, pretty much led his team to 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 a win. You know, besides the fact that you know the Browns drove down a little bit and kicked a field goal to win the game. So, um, other than that, uh, it was a very exciting game. Browns and Panthers rivalry um, is definitely on. So whenever they play again, that bad blood's in the water. So. Yeah, and I don't know how many more losses Matt Rule can take. I know this guy is on thin. Thin ice. Um, so <laughs> I know it's week one, but I mean, it just stems from last year, too. Um, he was already on the bubble. So not starting off well for him. Uh, Tony, or sorry, not Tony. Josh, what did you think of the game? Yeah, I, I did get to tune into this one. I thought it was pretty exciting. Uh, looked like, I think, towards the end, the Browns might kind of get away with it, and the Panthers managed to uh, get it close and then even take a the lead there late. Uh, I thought Baker. I was really hoping they would win. Uh, I don't know why, uh, but I was really hoping the Panthers could pull off. I thought ba- uh, I thought Baker looked pretty good, honestly. I think there's definitely some concerns on that offensive line. Uh, he he didn't seem to have a lot of time in the pocket. 
he he kind of adjusted as the game went on. It seemed like he got a little more comfortable having no time to throw. Um, so you know maybe with time that that offense will pick up some. But uh, yeah, this was a close one. Uh, wish the Panthers could have pulled it off, but I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, like Aram said, Matt Rules probably got the hottest seat out of any of the NFL coaches right now. Yeah, uh, Tony, what'd you think about this one? I agree with Parker and Aram on uh, or <laughs> Parker and Josh, excuse me, on uh, on all their points. Um, just kind of a a bad, just a, a gritty game. Uh, lots of mistakes kind of here and there. Um, there was 17 combined uh, penalties in the game, so a lot of a lot of mistakes. Um, but you got to give credit to that uh, that Cleveland defense uh, forced Carolina four for 11 on third down, um, and they got to Baker uh, I think four times. So it was uh, it was a good effort from them. But as as Parker mentioned, I, I really do think with the quarterback play, they need to like you can't. You're not going to win games with your quarterback being 18 of 34 for 147 yards. Um, they, they got lucky on Sunday, but uh, yeah, I think moving forward, they'll definitely have to either have him step up or find someone else because that's not going to work. Yeah, just a, a, t- a tough um, game for the Panthers at home to lose um, against uh, uh, Jacoby Brissett, quite frankly. Um, right. So. Yeah. Yeah, moving on, uh, Parker, we got us a, a slip and slide game uh, in Soldier Field, uh, week one for the Bears. I mean, it's hard for me to explain it, and it's two to three days later after the game even happened, and it's still um, hard to believe the conditions for the game, but um, good to see the Bears come up with a, a week one win um, in front of their home crowd and for uh, Matt Eberflus's, uh first game as head coach for the Bears, so I'll let you take it away. Yeah, definitely one of the more uh, memorable games that we will lock away as Bears fans into our uh, one or two games a year that we get to, you know, enjoy. So uh, definitely one that we get to enjoy uh, week one. So hopefully we get a few more before the year ends. But, um, yeah, no, this game was was one of those just gritty, nitty, grimy, slimy, uh, mutter, thudder games out there. Slippery, slippery, slimy games out there. I mean, at the end of the game, you guys, I don't know if you guys seen the conditions of the cameras in the field, but you literally could not see, like, the even the, the, the play happen because there are so much raindrops on the camera, and it was really a sight to see. I don't remember the last time a, a, a game looking like that at all in the NFL, so a pretty cool uh, sight to see. Uh, going into the actual, like, gameplay of it, um, Bears started off very, very lethargic, slow, boring, conservative, running on third and third and short, running on third and long. We had nothing in the first half. Even as to say we had so much of nothing that we even drove ourselves out of field goal range because we tried to wipe the field off with a towel and we got flagged for it. That's how much nothing that we had in the first half. And I've I've never, ever seen that in my life ever. So I feel like they're just trying to BS us or something because I, I've never seen that in my life ever. I've never seen that. So that that was a first. Um, zero points in the first half. I was like, uh, Matt Nagy, uh, I didn't know that you were back with our team uh, this year. But then, you know, something that Matt Nagy didn't do is uh, Matt Eberflus does is made halftime adjustments. Um, 
uh, Matt Nagy knows nothing of that sort. Um, so <laughs> it was a nice thing to see a head coach be able to make uh, halftime adjustments and be able to have a solid game plan uh, for the second half of the game after he's seen what didn't work. It was nice to see them trust Justin Fields to throw the ball a little bit more, even with the conditions being that it is uh, two two gloves uh, for Fields. <laughs> I don't know if you guys see that very weird sight to see your quarterback wearing two gloves, but I don't know. I guess it worked for him. But just uh, a very nice um, ability to get out of the pocket um, and extend plays when – uh, they fall apart. A nice play to me and a Rams boy, Dante Pittis, on a nice uh, play for a touchdown. Who me and a Ram were clowning before the game, saying he'd never get playing time. Why would Madden predict him to have any touchdowns in a game ever? And yet, there he is, scoring our first touchdown of the season on uh, a wacky play where Field scrambles out to the left side of the field and throws it all the way across to the right side of the field and walks into the end zone. So. Uh, that was very beautiful. The, the Bears' defense, uh, I may say, played with attitude, played with uh, a, a passion, played with heart. Um, they wanted to end Trey Lance's playing career uh, on the field that day. Roquan Smith in particularly wanted to end Trey Lance's playing career that day. I have never seen a guy slam someone harder into the ground than he slammed Trey Lance's head into the ground. And he stared him down after the play, and I was like, oh, my God, dude. I loved seeing that. Um, Josh, I, I feel that you're over there in Miami going, you know, laughing all the way to the bank with that trade that you made with San Francisco to acquire those picks, um, and they still picked the wrong quarterback. Um, so uh, not any shade. I mean, Lance, is, he's a project, but I just don't understand how you don't take a guy who's, who's literally – one of the best leaders in college football had a guy has all the stats to prove it. You know, the big games, the conference, the championship game appearances. I just don't know how you can pick a guy that, that, you know, has only played 17 career games or whatever, 13 career games or whatever have you. But um, Lance, uh, he looked good at times, some nice throws uh, to Brandon Ayuk uh, down the field. Uh, Debo Samuel looked, he he looked good, but at the same time, like I felt like he was very quiet in the game. Uh, fumble early yeah. with a peanut punch from Jalen Johnson and a fumble recovery from me and Aram's boy, Jaquan Brisker, who Aram looked amazing yesterday, uh, by the way. Uh, Bears defense as a whole looked amazing. And shout out to uh, Dominic Robinson, uh, the Bears' fifth rookie, who had one and a half sacks uh on the day, and I believe both were on, or both of the times he got to the quarterback was on the one of the best tackles in the league, uh, Williams. So that was a very you know surprising sight to see. Uh, the Bears, uh, the Bears side, um, the offense looked uh, very great after you know halftime. Like I said, the running game was not all there. Uh, I think you know Josh going over to you with the fantasy side of things. Many people thought maybe David Montgomery would be a more featured piece in this Bears offense, but it looks like we're going to see a lot of um, K. Herbo uh, in the backfield. So, and he looked—I don't know, you guys—he looked a little bit more explosive than David Montgomery did in certain times of that game. You know, had a touchdown, had a few big runs, had more 
more yards and a better average than David Montgomery did. Um, we've seen some good things from David Montgomery out of the passing game, though, that I think he could be used for um, as well. Um, Darnell Mooney, another fantasy thing. Um, one catch for eight yards on the day, so just not a whole lot. I think Josh said he's never going to start him again, so I guess uh, we'll see how that goes the rest of the year. But uh, Justin Fields, shout-out to you, man. Uh, playing through it, made some great throws, made some nice plays with your legs. Um, when he's sliding, though, you need to get down. You need to get down all the way. I've never seen a quarterback get hit more in my life uh, than Justin Fields. Uh, Rom, I know, made that point. Literally every game that we play, he gets hit, and it's it's really getting old. But, um, you know, other than that, just want to say the national media still continues to defend Trey Lance and defend this 49ers team. Um, even if they lose in a game where both teams had to play in the weather, both teams had to play in the same field, and Justin Fields didn't seem to have a problem throwing the ball in the second half of the game um, or making plays or anything like that. So the the Justin Fields slander and the, the Trey Lance hype from the national media, I've I seen some people saying on uh, the interception from my guy, Eddie Jackson, that the ball slipped out of his hands. And it was literally a throw to Jennings, who, if Eddie Jackson wouldn't have been there, would have been a completed catch. So it, it, it's just things like like that, just made out of nowhere, made up to make Trey Lance look like it wasn't his fault that they lost the game. The 49ers are still a top 10 ranked team in the league, and I just don't know how you can make that that point, you know, after watching the game yesterday. Yeah, um, and Lance also was under a lot of pressure too, so that's something you could factor in as well. But overall, I don't think he saw the field that well at all. Um, made a couple nice throws in the first half, but I mean, the Bears defense got all over him and kind of just kind of played with him a little bit um, and his decision making. So uh, not a good I just game. have one more stat to, to, to add for you for this game. So mm -hmm. for all the slander on fields through the whole offseason, that our team would be 0-17 and we have no talent and all this and that. Uh, Started the game off 3 of 10 for 19 yards with interception. Uh, you know, not the start that you'd want. But at, in the, the the last part of the game, he was 5 of 7 for 102 yards and two touchdowns and wasn't sacked at all in the second half of the game. So um, just those those halftime adjustments that I mes uh, mentioned earlier on, the offensive line played absolutely lights out in the second half of that game and uh, definitely something to build on going into Packers week. Yeah, um, and maybe um, I'll talk about it for my team as well. But um, Parker, I bet you can kind of see some differences with the with coaching adjustments and how the team plays together as a team compared to what yes. we've seen in the past. Um, I bet it was That's a breath true. of fresh air. Um, and just a side note, I saw a video of a, a 49ers fan holding a, a bag of popcorn, and right above him was a big monster <laughs> of water coming down on his yeah, that, popcorn. Yeah, and box. also. Shout out to that slide at the end of the game. That was absolutely that was the funny. most thing I've ever seen in my life. So that was that was so sick to see. Yeah, that's something you don't see before. This week had almost everything. You had a tie, you had a revenge game, and you had a, a rain game that was basically played. You had a football game played in a monsoon. So, I mean, he doesn't get any better, <laughs> better than that. <laughs> and you saw one of the top prolific offenses turn into this um, in Chicago. So, um I mean, Josh, what would you think? I guess uh, Darnell Mooney is not your favorite uh, at this point, but uh, with this game, what do you think about it? What do you think about Trey Lance and, yeah. and company? I've, I've watched some videos and stuff, and from everything I've seen, 
you pretty much have to throw it all out the window from a fantasy perspective, at least in, in regards to the passing game, you know. You look at it and look at the stats, and Justin Fields had more carries than completions, which is a wild stat. But I guess all things considered, it's almost to be expected in a, in a wet weather game like this. Um, I think the 49ers, I mean, I think they still have a good defense going forward. Uh, I think the biggest thing with them, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, if they really stick with Trey Lance and they they ride this out, or how long, how long it's we're going to hear chats about, you know, you've got a you've got a quarterback that was in the Super Bowl sitting on the bench, Man. doing nothing, uh, and so I mean, how, I guess we're going to see how committed they are to Trey Lance. You know, like I said, we know they have a solid backup behind him that's doing nothing. I mean, are they going to trade him? Are they going to, I mean, or like, I don't know. Like, so I think that'll be a big question mark. That's probably going to get emphasized, especially every time uh, Trey struggles this season, which is bound to happen. He's a young player, young quarterback, but uh, yeah. So I think the whole Jimmy G thing is a, is an interesting storyline in this one. Yeah. And you can kind of see the difference between uh, a backup like Nate Sudfeld versus a backup like Jimmy Garoppolo, I think the pressure is like double or even triple for a guy like Trey Lance. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just an awkward situation for me. Um, just if, if Jimmy Garoppolo finds his way out on the field due to a non-injury and it's performance-based, I think there's going to be some questions for the organization on how they handle the situation. Um, but with that being said, uh, Josh, like you said, with the, the conditions of the game, and I know both teams have to play through the game, um, I think this was very unexpected <laughs> for Trey Lance, and he was kind of just stifled by it. But um, I'm sure he's looking to bounce back next week. And uh, Tony, any final thoughts on this game before we move on? I'll just say kind of what what uh, what, uh, what Parker said. It was a tale of two halves. A lot of adjustments were made to the Bears. They all worked out. And, yeah, the, I think the weather played a huge factor, but definitely yeah, the, the Bears were able to execute and made better plays. Their defense, um, really, really solid. They only committed three penalties. The 49ers had 12. So I think that right there tells you, too, uh, very disciplined and just it – was, it was scrappy, but it was still a really good win for them and um, hopefully some momentum for them moving forward. Yeah, um, so good win for the Bears. Uh, moving on. We have Carson Wentz taking command um, as he tosses four touchdowns against the Jaguars. Um, Parker, um, I have my thoughts on Trevor Lawrence and how the offense functioned compared to last year, but I don't know if you watched the game. What'd you think about it? Uh, definitely seen some some highlights of the game. Seen some weird warm up thing with him just a little while ago uh, as well. That seemed. The most like uninspiring thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, all right, guys, this is our first chance to show them what we're about, and that's what they walked out to. Literally, yeah. just like that. I mean, that's I don't know. I mean, they played better than that, so I mean, good for them. And Christian Kirk, big big money boy, uh, he led the team in, in uh, receiving yards. So uh, glad for him that you know he doesn't have that target on his back. Like, hey. At least he can say, hey, at least I led the team in receiving yards. Like, you can't really, you know, follow right. me. But, uh, yeah, but on the other side, Washington, you said he uh, uh, that uh, Washington Wentz Carson took command. 
and yes, he um, that he did. Uh, I want to shout out Jahan Dodson as well. What a nice uh, series of catches that he had in this game. Uh, seems going to be a scary sight to see both him and Terry McLaurin on the field at the same time. So uh, definitely exciting for Washington, who, you know, this game out of probably all the games was the biggest toss-up of who was going to look, you know, better or worse, you know, different um, coming into the year. And Jacksonville still back to their same losing ways, unfortunately. So still can't, uh, you know, get over that hump yet. But um, I'm sure with just time and, and practice that they can get uh, Trevor Lawrence on that uh, on that level. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned the weapons for, for Washington. Um, don't forget about Curtis Samuel. He was awesome uh, in that game as well. So you add him to a, um, a stacked wide receiver core, and I think Wentz has some – has some has some good toys to play with over there at Washington and threw four touchdowns. So um, they got a pretty interesting uh, offense and a pretty solid defensive line too. So it could be competitive in that division, especially with some other teams that we'll talk about later, not taking command. Um, Josh, we'll go over to you. We had some interesting um, fantasy storylines. Um, uh, ETN, I was playing against them in a couple of my leagues. I was watching the game and there were just a couple of missed opportunities, but you kind of mm-hmm. saw the volume there for ETN, um, just wasn't able to bank in on it. Um, what, what do you think? What do you think about the game? Yeah, I think people were expecting ETN to have a bigger role uh, than what he did. You know, Robinson had nearly three times as many carries. Uh, ETN was more efficient on his rushing attempts, and he got a little bit more work or more targets in the, in the passing game. Um, but I, I think the actual snap count itself was – was actually pretty close to 50-50, which I think was a bit of a surprise to some people. I, uh, I don't know why, but I do think some people expected ETN to, you know, just show up and take on the starting role. I don't think that was ever going to be the plans from the get-go, especially not with a guy like James Robinson. I mean, I know he's, he's you know, maybe coming off of an injury, but still ETN was never going to be the the workhorse for this uh, for this offense. Uh I think, I mean, this was a pretty entertaining game. You know, I think it was, what, 28-22 late. Uh, Jacks are trying to put a drive together, and then uh, the commanders come up with that interception late in the game on a pass that was intended for Christian Kirk, who's another. I'll get into him a little bit later with uh, fantasy. Um, but, yeah, the commanders' offense as a whole, like what a day, what a day for Carson Wentz. I think that was a, a big surprise. I mean, on one hand, I guess you, you you can say like oh it's the Jaguars but I mean I thought Carson actually looked pretty solid out there you know 27 of 41 over 300 passing yards uh, uh, 101 rating I mean his quarterback rating was 46.2 but I mean and you know he, he did have the two interceptions but I was surprised I thought Carson looked good this is a team that I think can compete for uh, for a division title now in this NFC East. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, they do got some tough competition in their division, but uh, good to get a win uh, week one. Any final thoughts on this one, Tony? Again, just kind of a a game of two tails, I would say. Uh, the, the great start by Washington, get that 14-3 lead, and then all of a sudden, because I kind of was getting a couple of notifications uh, during the Bears game, that all of a sudden the Jaguars were actually winning the game but then uh, the the commanders put two touchdown drives together there in the fourth, coupled with the uh, the late interception there, which is unfortunate for uh, for Lawrence and the Jaguars. But 
just uh, again, kind of a scrappy win. Um, I would say a solid win for uh, or a solid performance for Wentz. I think a lot of people are going to be quick to look at the two interceptions, but you got to give him credit four touchdown passes. I mean, no matter how you do it, that's still pretty impressive nowadays. So it was a good win for them. Yeah, um, and I think um, maybe everyone's overreacting with the, the whole Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence situation. I think um, it would it would be nice to see him you know, put together a couple of nice wins for the team, but he's still young and still got a whole season ahead of him. So I think they'll be okay. It's basically his rookie year. You know, he had yeah, Urban right. last year. Right, that's not fair. Yeah, that's not fair. It's just, I mean, it's a whole new offense too, I'm sure, in his mm-hmm. second year. So I think he's yeah. going to need more time to get a really good evaluation of him. Agreed. I think ETN should help him a lot this year. So uh, we'll see that uh, throughout the year. But uh, moving on. Um, Parker, we'll start with uh, you on this one. The Dolphins at home beating the Patriots. Um, pulling up the score now, but it wasn't really close. Uh, <laughs> what do I have the score here? Uh, it looks like the Dolphins 20-7. to 7. Uh, So the Dolphins yeah. are 1-0 at home. Yeah, definitely um, a, a concerning uh, sight if you're a Patriots fan, for sure. Um, seeing them come out so flat. But, you know, like we were just talking about last week, they do struggle in Miami, so... I guess we'll see uh, what happens to them. But I never really got a chance to tune into this game, uh, but I did see a few good plays from, from Tua. I did see a good – or the first play of the game, I believe, from Tua when he, like, one-hopped the ball into the receiver, and I was like, oh, yikes. But uh, I'm sure he rallied after that, and, you know, they ended up beating the division rival for the win. So, Josh, I'll – you know, honestly, I would rather let you, you know, talk about this because you're – you probably know more than me about what happened in this game, so – yeah, uh, that first pass of the game, I actually think I saw, like, all 22, and I believe it was tip. Uh, so I think tip. that's what happened on the play. If it wasn't, that's like a 60-plus yard house call to start the game um, and a huge momentum shift, I guess. Uh, yeah, this game, I would say it was – I mean, the final score was 20-7, to but I think it was 17 to nothing at halftime. Uh, you know, very clear, the second half – the Dolphins surprised me. They took a couple shots here and there, uh, but I think for the most part it was, you know, quick passes and a lot of running the ball, just trying to run the clock out, uh, play like the possession game, you know, nothing too exciting. Uh, I think Mac Jones didn't do a post-game interview because he went to get MRIs uh, for a rib injury. So uh, I, I think I think he's all right. I'm not 100% sure. That'll be uh, something worth keeping track of. Um, but the, uh, the Dolphins' defense in general did about what we expected them to do. Uh, first drive of the game for the Patriots. They're actually driving down the field really well, and they target Devontae Parker in the end zone, and Xavier Howard uh, tips the ball. Javon Holland gets an interception. Then they also had the uh, the strip sack or the strip force fumble on Mac that was recovered by Melvin Ingram, uh, and we scored a touchdown off of that. So we actually had, you know, one of our touchdowns actually came off of uh, off of our defense. Uh, it's like Mike McDaniel said, you know, like it's nice that we have an offense that has an identity now. You know, uh, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. But until further notice, this is still a defensive team. Um, I think people expected the offense to be a lot more explosive than, than it was, um, which – I'm, I'm, I mean, I understand, but at the same time, if you look at Mike McDaniel's history, you should know, like, his teams are going to run the ball. Um, 
And so I think the Dolphins, I mean, they still kind of struggled in the run game. Uh, the offensive line graded much better in pass protection. Um, so I think we, we kind of needed to throw it a little bit more. Uh, but uh, overall, it's, I mean, it's a 20 to 7 win over the Patriots. You know, it's, it's hard to be upset about that. So, uh, yeah, so I'll take it. It's a, a very good week win, uh, week one win for us going forward. Uh, I think this team could be, this team, I think they could make some noise. Uh, they could be pretty special. Uh, I think this is, I mean, it's still a new offense. I think it'll take time to jail. But a, a very solid overall week one performance. It never felt like the Patriots were in a position to really take control of the game. And so, I mean, we've heard the rumors that the Patriots are going to have a poor offense. Uh, there were times they looked pretty rough. So uh, I think that was an interesting storyline as well going forward. Yeah. I just have to say out of all the celebrations I've seen, I would say the Waddle is probably one of my favorites. I don't know if you've saw Jalen Waddle's celebration in the end zone. I love it. <laughs> but um, Tony, I guess any final thoughts before we move on? Just a really solid performance from Miami. I thought their defense was spectacular. Um, as Josh said, they, they forced three turnovers, got a touchdown out of it. Um, also, I, again, I, I agree, too, about the offense. I, I feel like we need to pump the brakes just a little bit on them. I think they still need a little bit more time to kind of fuse together a little bit. And uh, I, I think they'll they'll definitely get better with time. But, uh, yeah, it was just a, a really solid win for them at home. Yeah, good to start uh, 1-0. and uh, we'll, we'll treat these next few games as kind of a lightning reaction round. Um, we'll start with the Steelers and Bengals. Uh, Parker it went into overtime, a lot of back and forth, a lot of turnovers for Burrow, but the Steelers could you know, extend the lead, but eventually they won in overtime. So uh, what'd you think of this one? Yeah, definitely one of the games of the week for sure. Uh, we've seen some amazing catches, amazing would-be catches, um, amazing strip sacks, amazing interceptions. Um, Burrow looking kind of iffy. Uh, it looks like a little Super Bowl hangover for them as well. Um, kickers can't make uh, kicks, it seems, in this game. Um and the Steelers somehow, Mitch Trubisky comes out with a W against the Bengals, which is crazy because now Fields and Mitch both won in week one while Matt Nagy, yeah, his team won, but both of these quarterbacks looked good away from away from Matt Nagy. So they're not, <laughs> not, not, not looked good, but, but they both won. <laughs> yeah, and also the Bengals were dealing with a backup snapper I think so and he had the laces I think in on the final kick from um, McPherson that he missed so laces out folks um, and you're gonna have a lot of uh, missed kicks this week in college football and in uh, the NFL so apparently that position is not getting any better uh, Josh anything to add on this game uh, no just a wild game it's wild when you think you know Burrow had what like four interceptions and two fumbles or something like that ridiculous and they were still in a position to win the game uh so, right. and overall, just a crazy game. But, you know, Mike Tomlin, well-coached teams, I guess. I don't know. Props to the Steelers. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I don't, like, last year you saw the Steelers go into Buffalo and beat them on the road week one. Um, and this year you see them go into 
um, Cincinnati and beating them week one. It's just week one for the Steelers are like their Super Bowls, but uh, it may have came at a price because they did lose TJ Watts and Najee Harris, but um, Parker will get to you after uh, the reactions here to see the extent of those injuries if you have them. Um, but uh, Tony, anything final to add on this one? I just want to say again, you know, you made that point when we were making predictions about the Steelers being surprising in week one, and they did exactly what they did in Buffalo uh, last year as they did in uh, Cincinnati this year. So just massive uh, effort for them. Again, as Josh said, it was after, despite everything, Cincinnati was still right there and even probably could have won it. But uh, just a, a, gritty, uh, a gritty win on the road, and uh, we'll see how that they do from here because those injuries are pretty big but maybe they can build off of what they got i guess yeah and i mean it's a concern to see burrow hit so many times but um oh, they yeah. made the super bowl with burrow not really having an offensive line anyway to begin with so i mean i don't know if you can continue taking these hits probably not but they're gonna have to assure something up with that offensive line uh but we'll see um fun first game though for them uh, moving on, uh, Ravens at Jets. I mean, the Ravens just blew them open. Um, Joe Flacco at the helm. Parker not really getting it done. Uh, Zach Wilson will return to the team in maybe three to four weeks, but um, the Ravens take this one um, in New York. Yeah, we've seen some kind of uh, weird play from the Ravens, letting the Jets kind of hang around, but then uh, kind of started slinging around. Uh, nice deep shot to Rashad, uh, Rashad Bateman. Uh, for the touchdown uh, from Lamar Jackson. Um, and, yeah, Joe Flacco in that offense, I mean, you just can't really expect them to uh, go to compete uh, with a good team like the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, even if you're an elite quarterback, you know, you still have to have the other pieces around you. And Joe, Joe Flacco, you know, obviously just uh, just doesn't have those pieces around him, being the elite quarterback that he is. So, uh, yeah, I just can't get it done, though. Yeah. He threw the and ball, I, I think, 59 I, times, too. A I lot, believe a lot of uh, another torn ACL or a few torn ACLs for the Baltimore Ravens uh, again yesterday on that great New York turf. Um, Kyle Fuller, I, I believe, tore his tackles. ACL. Yeah. Huh? And their tackle, think, yeah. yeah. His Achilles, yeah. So Ooh, just another two losses. Same Same thing for Baltimore this year. Yeah. Um, Josh, uh, what about you? I know uh, fantasy implications. I personally had Elijah Moore in my lineup. Wasn't too happy with the result, but um, I guess that's what you're going to get with Joe Flacco. I think Joe Flacco has good weapons, but he, he's Joe Flacco. He doesn't see the field as well as he used to. He's not really in a good system that caters to him. But uh, what do you think about it, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I don't really have much to say on this one. Uh, I mean, I feel like this one went... Honestly, about pretty much as expected. I don't. I don't think we ever really doubted that the Ravens were going to handle the Jets pretty easily. So, I mean, I don't, like I said, nothing much to add on this one. Nothing too surprising here. Gotcha. Anything uh, from you, Tony? Just a solid win uh, on both sides of the ball. I think some people will look at the the Ravens only scoring twenty four points, but I, I think they, it was a good it, it was a good performance for sure. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we have the Saints at the Falcons. Um, the Saints did cover their spread of winning by five and a half, but uh, they were able to come back in the fourth quarter, scoring fourteen point, or sorry, scoring seventeen points in the fourth quarter, and um, taking advantage of Marcus Mariota's 
poor play in the fourth quarter um, and taken a 27-26 win. Uh, Parker, did you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I really liked um, Cordell Patterson and how he played in this game. I, I, I thought he looked really great. 22 rushes, 120 yards. I mean, what more do you want from your, from your starting running back? So it looks like he's going to be the guy um, in in Atlanta. Was he on their team last year as well? He was, yeah. Yep. Now, did he have as big of a role as he looks like he's having right now? Yeah, it was major for him last year. That's why they wanted to kind of find another running back so they don't have to force feed him. But after losing Damian Williams, they had to force feed him again. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah, no, that's – I mean, I I, I think that they can survive doing that, though. I, I really do. I, I think that he can take it. Um, he's he's always been that kind of guy that's shown – gotten glimpses and gotten a little ch- here chances here and there. But I want to see him be, like, the full-on guy in Atlanta for this year. But uh, like you said, Marcus Mariota, uh, his poor play, uh, Will Lutz with a big kick to win this game. And – uh, Jameis Winston, you know, looking good. Jarvis Landry looking good. Chris Olave, that that whole you know uh, Saints offense is looking uh, uh, pretty decent. So um, hopefully you know, they can keep that up. Um, even their rushing game is kind of weird though. Um, Taysom Hill, four rushes, eighty-one yards. Um, Alvin Kamara, nine rushes, thirty-nine yards, and Mark Ingram, four rushes, twenty-two yards. So just it, it looks like they're not they're just not really committed to the run uh, like that much uh, for this team, but uh, definitely uh, uh, down to the wire game and a good kick to win the game in Atlanta. Gotcha, um, Josh. Over to you. It looks like um, Alvin Kamara. Uh, if you own him, it doesn't look like uh, he had a good week for you, but nothing to worry about too much. But something that you want to just be excited about is Michael Thomas, I guess, coming back and scoring two touchdowns, especially towards the end of the game um, in a clutch way. So uh, what did you think about this game and if you have any fantasy implications? Yeah, so, uh, you know, like Michael Thomas back to his old self, that was nice to see. Jarvis Landry actually led the team in receptions and yards, which I think was a, a bit of a, a bit of a surprise. Um, I was surprised in general when I was checking the scores and I saw that, you know, the Falcons were up like 26-24 under five minutes to play or whatever. You know, I uh, I really didn't expect it to be as close as it was. Um, I thought Taysom Hill was kind of a surprise, you know. He's actually listed as like a quarterback slash tight end in fantasy. I believe for a tight end for fantasy purposes. And, uh, Kamara, you know, unfortunately he did put up a bit of a dud. Um, I, I don't think it's anything to be concerned about going forward, but – I mean, he is currently listed as questionable. He did sustain a rib injury. I don't think it actually limited his playing time any during the game. I think it was something that kind of came out afterwards. Um, so, I mean, it's it's worth keeping a close eye on him going forward. Uh, but, yeah, overall, a, a surprising game for me. I really thought the Saints would would be able to handle the, the Falcons better than they did. Yeah, definitely a little bit uh, jittery to start the year. Uh, Tony, anything to, to add? Just a, a tough game for Atlanta. You know, they looked really solid there in the first three quarters. Got outscored 17 to uh, 17 to three in the fourth quarter, and I guess New Orleans found a way to to win a game that didn't really look like they were probably going to win at least 
at first glance, as Josh said, uh, he was kind of looking at the score and he didn't really think that it was going to be like that. But um, a good rally by New Orleans and a hard-earned win on the road there. Yeah. Uh, moving on, we'll go to the Chiefs and Cardinals. We probably don't have to take too much time on this one. Um, the Chiefs just blew the Cardinals up uh, out of their stadium. Parker, um, same story with the Chiefs offense and kind of a lack of depth at the wide receiver position for the Cardinals for Kyler Murray, but uh, just not efficient. A lot of mistakes for them at home, kind of concerning. But uh, what do you think? Yeah, definitely a concerning thing for uh, the, the Cardinals, but not for the Chiefs. Uh, Mahomes, five touchdown passes. Um, I don't think you could uh, want anything more from your starting quarterback. Looks like they're having fun uh, getting a lot of production from uh, Clyde Edwards-Elair, so that's good to see. Um, but, yeah, Cardinals concerning, uh, especially after giving all that money to Kyler Murray. Uh, just, I guess, we'll see where they where they turn out. Anything to add, Josh? Uh, nothing much. It looks like the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, and Tony? Just a solid. Uh, also, just want to shout out to Chiefs defense. I think they had a lot of question marks at the beginning of the year last year. They held uh, Arizona to seven points there until the fourth quarter. They did give up two touchdowns there uh, in the final frame, but so just a really solid effort from their defense as well. Because I think they were up like 37 to seven at one point. So props to their, uh, their defense as well for holding it down. Yeah, and also props to Justin Reed, their safety kicking the ball uh, with Harrison Butcher, um, I guess, injuring his ankle. Um, so a safety coming in there making kicks, and he didn't miss a kick, but who cares? He's a safety. Um, so right. cool to see. But uh, moving on, Parker, we had uh, the Giants and Titans. The Giants with uh, a ballsy move, the head coach with a ballsy move, Brian DeBall, uh, to go for two instead of kicks, to kick the extra point. You compare that to probably what we'll talk about on Monday night. Um, but uh, having the guts to go for it on the road, um, succeeding and ultimately um, winning the game with a missed field goal from the Titans. What do you think about it? Yeah, definitely uh, one of the better games this week. Um, I've seen one play Derrick Henry get absolutely launched into oblivion by some guy. I don't even know who that was, but he Kate got absolutely something crowder. He got laid into obscurity. I don't think he's ever gotten that hit that hard in his life. Um, uh, that was a, a very, a very like interesting sight, and just the overall just mediocrity from the Titans uh, to, uh, during that game, allowing the Giants to you know win in their house, and just I don't know, just a, another weird game, another one of those weird games this week. Yeah, Saquon Barkley though, props to him. Saquon he Barkley played his butt off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, he's back. Kind of he's, back. he's definitely back. And kind of a trend from uh, the playoff game from the Titans. They're kind of just screwing up the opportunities they had. They had a chance to close the game out with an interception. Um, uh, Daniel Jones threw a pick in the in the end zone, but they weren't able to capitalize, and they're just screwing it up at home. Uh, so they can't continue with this trend. Otherwise, they're going to be out of a playoff spot. Uh, but this is just week one, so I could be overreacting. Uh, Josh, anything from you? Uh Nothing much. Uh, surprised that the Giants won this one in Tennessee, especially. Uh, I mean, the Giants. I mean, they had more rushing yards than than passing, uh, and it, it really wasn't even close. It was like two forty to one eighty or something, give or take. Uh, I mean, Saquon looked more like what we would have expected out of Derrick Henry, almost. Uh, right. Juan had three fewer rushing attempts and twice as many yards. So, uh, 
like just explosive production from some Barkley in game one. And good win for uh, Brian Dable to, you know, get started off. I like I like his gutsy play calling, you know. Uh, I feel like if you're really going to come in and try and set the tone for your team, establish a culture, sometimes you do have to make plays like that. So I, I, I respect it. I think uh, it's a great move for them to get off on the right foot. Yeah, I agree. And anything to, uh, for you to add finally on this one, Tony? Again, just a, a disappointing performance. I think anytime that – well, I mean, yeah, and also just the, the Titans. But anytime you start the season on, at home, you kind of want to come out and kind of show who you are and perform well. Didn't do that. Um, shout out to the Giants defense for keeping uh, Derrick Henry under 100, under 100 yards. Not a lot of offense or defenses have been able to do that the last couple of years. So shout out to them. And then also, as we mentioned, uh, Brian DeBowl just – the guts to uh, to go for it. I I'll give him props. I I don't know. I probably wouldn't have, but looking back, that was a hell of a, a smart move. And as Josh mentioned, he set the tone for the for how how they kind of want to run things. So big shout out to him. Yeah, big win for uh, Debol as uh, the uh, new head coach for the Giants. But uh, moving on, uh, Parker, we had an NFC North division collision in Minnesota. Uh, the Packers, they couldn't cover Justin Jefferson. Um, uh, probably a complete game for the Vikings. Probably one of the first complete games I've personally seen in a long time. Offense, defense, special teams. Don't know if you watched this one, but what were your initial thoughts on it? Well, I did watch a little bit of it. Um, it, it just – I have one takeaway from, from this game, and, yeah, I mean, you guys definitely, like, just tore them apart, like, from head to toe for sure. Um it really like wasn't even close at all, like during the game, uh, really. But um, I have one takeaway, and that's like I'm actually excited for this week. Uh, I think we have a chance to win. I, I think we have a chance to win this week. So um, just seeing you guys um, attack them, and just see how they really don't have much offensively, and how if if Bakhtiari is out and that other guy is out, I mean, they really have no offensive lineman that can guard anyone. And Rodgers doesn't trust these rookie um, receivers. And, you know, it's just going to be – it might be a long season for them. It might be a long season for them. Yeah, they need to protect Rodgers because if you lose a guy like him, you get Jordan Love in there and it's just going to be downhill. Um, they have a good rushing attack, but Rodgers really sets the tone for that offense. And you can see – he was visibly frustrated with a lot of things that were, that were going on in the game. Um, and it just kind of depleted the whole team, and it just went down from there. And props to the Vikings for at least keeping on the gas pedal and not uh, letting them get back into it like I've seen so many times before. But, um, Josh, do you have anything to add on this one? A.J. Dillon, maybe a better fantasy option right now than uh, – maybe not better, but just as good as, um, as Jones. Uh, what do you think about that? I think he actually had a better performance from a fantasy perspective because of his uh, receiving value. A.J. Dillon was second in, on the team in receptions, I believe, uh, which honestly was almost expected. Uh, we knew Rodgers' receiving core. Even last year was weak, aside from Devontae Adams. Uh, and so losing him, we knew, you know, he's, he's not really working with much. Uh, I would say if there's any Packers fans out there listening – it's not like this. This week one is nothing to worry about. I don't think, in the same way that the Steelers beat the Bills last year, week one, 
the Packers also got blown out by the Saints last year in week one. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't think it's cause for concern quite yet, at least. Yeah. Um, and it is, I mean, I, I kind of kept talking about it when it happened, but the loss of Devontae Adams, I mean, everyone knows it at this point. It's it's going to be big, um, and it's kind of showing now. I mean, it's probably going to improve over the year, but right now Rodgers doesn't have that security blanket to go to because, I mean, you saw he used to go to him uh, when things got tough for them on third downs, and he used to just convert it automatically. They were just automatic. Uh, as a duo, he doesn't have that anymore, and it's kind of showing, especially week one. Anything to add on this one, Tony? Also, I just want to say uh, Alan, Alan Lazard was out. That was pretty much uh, Rogers' backup number one, if you will. He had They had some good chemistry last year, and I'm unfortunate for uh, him to not have them in, for this game. But as you mentioned, just great uh, performance by that Vikings defense. Held the, the Packers to three for nine on third down. So uh, great job given, getting off the field more than allowing. And just, yeah, it was, it was a good team performance. Yeah, and um, I won't take too too long on this uh, analysis on it, but personally, I saw a lot of creativity um, from the offense and defense on offense. I saw a lot of what I've been reading um, about in camp, a lot of the jet motions and, um, yeah, I guess moving things around, not just having Justin Jefferson or a certain wide receiver on the outside and just moving guys in the inside like you saw in uh, L.A. with Cooper Cup and um, how that's being brought to Minnesota a little bit, but um, one thing I kind of want to mention as well is uh, the the plays that have been that that, that were um, been, that were called on the field they weren't wasted plays and I saw a lot of wasted plays last year where you're in like a first and fifteen after a false start or a penalty and you just want to get a couple yards on a run you don't really see that um, with the play calling especially week one uh, against the Packers I saw a lot of uh, designed runs that were meaningful and that weren't just wastes wasted plays um so it was good to see the offense kind of showing a little bit more care and how you call plays and uh how you don't want to um you know lose the lead um and you actually want to extend it and rather than just kind of sitting back and uh just playing to run the clock out and win the game that way you want to keep attacking in the second half and i thought i saw a lot of good examples of that especially in the third quarter uh, we were able to score a field goal and also another touchdown, um, I believe. But um, also on the defensive side, it was good to see the defensive line move um, in different ways. You saw Zadarius Smith attack uh, in the middle. You saw our defensive tackle go from the outside and rush from the edge. So some things I've just I've never seen, uh, especially with Zimmer uh, at the helm uh, the last few years. Um, good secondary play overall, just a good a uh, well-coached game, and I thought the players were ready to play, and it didn't seem like there were many mental gaps except for that first play where you saw uh, Christian Watkins, uh, Watkins, I think, the rookie for the Packers, get wide open but drop the pass. Other than that, there weren't many miscommunication plays. Um, Harrison Smith was on his game. Uh, I thought the overall front seven kind of dominated the Packers, um, and it was good to see a lot of consistency throughout the game. Um, I was fully expecting the Vikings to blow the game at one point, but um, you can kind of see with the new regime um, how they're aggressive and they want to uh, extend on leads instead of sitting back and um, letting the game come back on them. And uh, um, sometimes we lost those games back in the day, but it looks like it's a new start for the Vikings. Um, and it looks like we have a yeah, guys, sweep. Um, we'll talk about Tony's team um, in a little bit um, after a couple games, but uh, Parker, your team won with your first uh, year head coach, Matt Eberflus, 
And then, uh, Josh, your team won with your new head coach. And, uh, Tony, not really a new head coach, but um, in new first year at the helm for Tampa Bay. We'll get into that a little later. But uh, good to see these first-year head coaches getting some wins. Uh, week one, we'll see how uh, how long it takes until they get to that first loss. But uh, we'll move on, Parker. We had the Raiders at the Chargers. A pretty entertaining game. A lot of good players on each side of the ball. Um, but the Chargers coming up with a win. Uh, what would you think about it? Yeah, definitely one of the more exciting games um, of the weekend and just in terms of, you know, star power on offense and on defense. Um, Khalil Mack, I believe, had three sacks on the day. I mean, that's that's kind of crazy uh, for the, the former Bear to go over there and have a great impact uh, his first game against his former team, his other former team, um, uh, sacking Derek Carr, one of his good friends, uh, three times there. Um, Devontae Adams, I've uh, seen a stat somewhere that he – had more uh, more uh, receiving yards than the entirety of the Packers starters combined, which is uh, <coughs> a uh, pretty crazy stat there. But um, Justin Herbert looked uh, pretty good, uh, some good throws, um, and the uh, Chargers get the uh, get the win. So uh, Raiders, they looked you know they looked all right. Um, I think they need to. Uh, uh, you know, figure some things out here, but you know, first first year head coach um, after a while off, so uh, I guess we'll see how that goes in in um, Las Vegas there. But a good win for the Chargers. Yeah, um, over to you, Josh. Uh, Keenan Allen looks like he won't be playing. Uh, he injured his hamstring. Looked like he had a good game up there, <laughs> but uh, what were your overall thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a solid a solid game for for Herbert. You know, thirty six of or 26 of 34, uh, nearly 280 yards passing, uh, a quarterback rating of 84.8, a rating of 129.4. So, you know, an overall, a really good game for, for Herbert in that offense. Uh, I mean, I, it was a good game, but I feel like uh, I don't think this game should have been as close as it was. I mean, at one point, the Chargers were up, what, like 17 to 3, you know, and they let the Raiders kind of claw their way back into it. Um, right. But, I mean, that's how it goes with these divisional games. You know, you never really know how they how they can swing. Uh, yeah, Devontae Adams, 10 receptions, 141 yards. Like, he's, he's just – he's so good. But, uh, yeah, overall, I mean, this was still a, a pretty entertaining game. I, I definitely think the Chargers could have put this out of reach way sooner. Uh, but – you know, props to the Raiders for, for clawing the way back and keeping it competitive. Yeah, um, kind of a dominant defensive line game for the Chargers, like Parker and you were saying. Uh, Khalil Mack was unbelievable. I think he had three sacks. Um, so that's just that's insane. Um, Tony, any uh, final thoughts on this one? Uh, just it's crazy when you know Devonte Adams is going to be like the main target coming into the game and he still puts up numbers in defense and still can't like slow him down. Um, big, big win for him. Uh, also shout out to the, uh, the Chargers offensive line didn't allow a sack. Uh, meanwhile, the Chargers got six sacks. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought that was a big uh, reason of why they kind of won this game. But as Josh said, just um, would like to see a little bit more from the Chargers. Um, on the standpoint of just being able to put teams away late. 
Um, I, I can understand the whole, you know, game management part of it, but yeah, I'd like to see them just do a little, like just do a little bit better there in the, in the final frames of putting teams away, but you, you can't fault it. At the end of the day, they got the win. So. But uh, tough test for the Chargers coming up this Thursday, as uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. Uh, they face the Chiefs sure. in Kansas City, so a quick turnaround for them. Uh, moving on, uh, we had the Cowboys hosting the Buccaneers, and it, I mean, it, it couldn't have gone any worse for the Cowboys, especially when you think of their quarterback getting uh, injured uh, as well. But uh, Parker, another uh, maybe not dominant performance by Tom Brady, but just a really good performance to win a game. I know he could have banked in in the goal line a couple couple times, but uh, kind of more of a defensive win than anything. Uh, what were your thoughts on that uh, Sunday night game? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, not the oh, my cat's just walking in front of me here, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely a, a good game for uh, Tampa Bay and Tom Brady. Uh, you know, being away for uh, the while that he was uh, this off season, just getting back into the uh, swing of things and. Kind of like Aram and Tony were talking uh, before this podcast started about how they were using certain players in the offense and Julio Jones running these deep long routes and almost making that catch down by the goal line, uh, which, you know, I've I seen that play. Uh, he literally almost got his hands underneath the ball. That would have been an, another spectacular catch. So uh, just nice to see Julio back, uh, back at it, going again, uh, running these nice routes, catching these nice passes. Uh, seeing Tampa Bay you know, win another game, uh, defense pretty strong. Dallas, um, yeah, they they're in a, they're kind of in trouble. Um, they are in trouble um, without Dak. So um, another year, another Dak injury. Uh, they paid him all that money, guys. I don't know if it was worth the investment uh, thus far into the contract. Um, kind of, um, I mean, not really his fault, but. At the same time, it's just another injury. You know, I I just think they they're behind the eight ball again. And like Aram was mentioning earlier, with with Washington being you know as competitive as they are now with Dallas out without a quarterback, um, you've probably easily got to take Washington in a head to head matchup uh, with with Dallas at this current point in time. Yeah, and they didn't really do much to help Dak in the offseason as well. Uh, you have a guy like Ceedee Lamb who dominates. Targets, you got to have another guy uh, on the opposite side that uh, maybe takes advantage of the times that CD Lamb is double teamed or uh, has all the attention towards him. But I just don't think they, they did much in the free agency time to uh, help Dak out. But uh, Josh, anything from you? Um, Ezekiel Elliott, maybe not the best game again um, in week one, but uh, also CD Lamb kind of quiet too. Yeah, rough, rough game for Ezekiel Elliott, I think, from a fantasy perspective. Uh, his value, I think it should go up. I mean, if Cooper rushes your starting quarterback, you would think they would rely on the run game more. At the same time, the defenses are probably going to key in on the run a little bit more. So uh, interesting to see how that goes. And I agree, C.D. Lamb didn't really do all that much. It's one of those situations where it's like, you know, he might perform better in the slot. And, you know, the guys outside, like, I don't know, there's just – other than him, there's just not a lot of talent that really would concern me from a defensive perspective, you know. So I feel like you can really key in on him and uh, neutralize the Cowboys' passing game. And uh, tough break for the Buccaneers as well. I believe they lost – was it Chris Godwin, I believe, to injury, if I'm not mistaken. 
it wasn't to the knee, which is good. It is the hamstring, and they don't think it's going to be long term. I have, I obviously have him on my fantasy team. That's why I know all this. Um, right. But um, it's good that it wasn't the knee, but um, obviously another obstacle with their wide receiving core. Yeah, but just kind of a surprise. I mean, I know Dak went down, but I believe this was a team that had like the number one offense last year. Uh, so for them to only put up three points in the opener, uh, it was a bit of a surprise to say the least. Um, Tony, the Buccaneers, I mean, on the road, kind of a, an impressive win, but at the same time, Dallas was, a, they lost their quarterback, everything was wrong, but uh, impressive performance by that defense. They, they really, really came to play, especially that secondary in front seven. Uh, de definitely. They they forced a lot of pressure. They got to Dak. Also, I don't really like that Ezekiel Elliott only got 10 carries. I feel like when he's kind of your franchise guy, you got to get him the ball more than 10 times. Again, I understand that, you know, they they kind of were trailing from the – not necessarily from the get-go because they, they did tie it at three. But, yeah, I, I just – you got to feed your guy. Like, <laughs> you pay him a lot of money and whatnot and uh, whatnot. But, anyways, uh, yeah, really solid uh, performance from the Tampa Bay defense. Uh, kept Dallas three for 15 on third down. Really, really solid job there. Um, I thought Tom Brady was solid. You know, he did what he needed to do. Um, nothing special, I would say, but you got to forget. You, 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 sometimes we forget the guy's 45 years old. Uh, he did officially become the oldest quarterback to ever start uh, a game in uh, NFL history, so I thought that was pretty cool. But um, didn't really like the the, the red zone offense. Um, also, shout out to Michael Car uh, Michael Parsons for, for getting two sacks, but. Um, yeah, well, would have liked to see a little bit more. Um, I thought Ryan Suckup was pretty solid, had four field goals. He did miss the one, but um, hey, you hit four or five, yeah, that's fine. Um, as uh, Josh and Aram mentioned, uh, Godwin and uh, their offensive tackle, uh, Donovan Smith, did leave the game uh, with injuries. Uh, thankfully, with uh, with Godwin, again, as Aram mentioned, it's not going to be a serious one. Uh, Donovan Smith, the tackle, he uh, hyperextended his elbow. Um, so far, they they think that he'll be back, um, and it's kind of based on his tolerance level. Um, they said that if, if the pain's too much, then they'll probably keep him out for next, uh, next Sunday. But uh, so far, that sounds all right. Like, it's not, again, it doesn't sound like a serious injury, but... Um, definitely something to keep an eye on um yeah it was from like an overall team standpoint i'm kind of like how josh feels about the dolphins I, I thought it was a pretty solid team win um both sides of the ball kind of did what they needed to do and uh it was just a good win yeah very solid win on the road um, and I guess me personally, I'll, I'll have my eagle eyes on that uh, Buccaneers offensive line because I think um, as far as that offensive line goes, I think the team goes because um, right. yeah, at, at certain points, you just kind of saw the offense stifle, especially in the red zone um, when they gave up the pressure to Micah Parsons and Tom Brady is not mobile. Um, okay. And when you give the guy time, you can just shred the defense. So you got to find mm -hmm. a way to... To, to bolster that offensive line if you haven't already and just schematically maybe find a way to have him have more time uh, in the pocket. But uh, nonetheless, good week one win. I'm sure there's a lot to, to learn from uh, what happened. But 
Um, yeah, moving on to the Monday night game, guys. So we have some controversy uh, towards the end here. But uh, Parker, we can kind of go with your um, reactions to it. The Broncos were favored to win by six and a half points, and it's not how it went down. Um, what'd you think about it? Yeah, um, I just really liked the the energy that the Seattle Seahawks played with yesterday, um, showing absolutely no remorse uh, for any comments that they were made at all post game or anything like that. I uh, really love to see that uh, kind of energy. Shelby Harris, I believe his name is, just totally calling out the whole um, Denver Broncos team and ownership and organization as a whole. And I thought that was really great. Uh, <laughs> and uh, just, just, just honestly, the the Broncos look so underwhelming and. Man, oh man, uh, Nathaniel Hackett did his best Matthew Nagy impression yesterday, and uh, a perfect time to do it on national TV in front of everyone to see his first game as the head coach, where, you know, you sign a guy to over $200 million deal in the offseason, and it's a fourth and five across midfield with, you know, a, a chance to make the field goal uh, at least five yards closer, if not more. Um and you yet rely on the chance to tie the second longest field goal ever in the history of the league to, to win this game with 20 seconds left after letting the clock run down for, I don't know, 45 seconds or so after or before that. And you've seen, you know, Peyton Manning going, call timeout, call timeout, call timeout, and never did it. And yeah, just uh, really a wild game. Geno Smith, you know, another guy made some nice comments after the game. They wrote me off, and I ain't never right back. I uh, really like that comment as well. Um, but just uh, an overall good atmosphere from that Seattle crowd and, and team after, you know, being written off all season long as, you know, one of the worst rosters, worst teams. They have no quarterback. Their coach sucks. You know, kind of the same things that Chicago has been facing. So I – I definitely can, you know, vibe with the team like that who, you know, gets written off all, all season long and then beats uh, a peripheral Super Bowl contender to start uh, the season off. So just eight things from Seattle. And I can kind of confirm if the Seahawks go one and seventeen, I don't think they care as long as they got this away. As they the don't care, they just won the Super Bowl, baby. They just this won the is Super, their Super Bowl. Bowl. This is Geno Smith Super Bowl, and my gosh, he performed. Um, but it was, I don't know, we'll kind of get into it later, but it was more on the Broncos, I think, personally. That's, it, I think the Broncos lost this game. But uh, Josh, fantasy implications, I guess Javante Williams is the guy there. Um, Jerry Judy could be maybe a, a strong RB2 to flex consideration with just his connection with Russell Wilson. What do you think? Yeah, there's always going to be that debate, uh, and I, I don't know for certain yet. I feel like I'll have to wait and see it play out, but there's always going to be that the question, at least early on, you know, Jerry, Judy, or Cortland Sutton. Uh, early on, I think the consensus was Judy, but uh, Wilson, at least historically, has kind of favored some of his outside receivers over his slot receivers, which would, you know, lead me to think that Sutton would be the better play, but I think it's just one of those things – you know, they could alternate every other week, really. Uh, and it'll take time to really see who who his go-to is in Denver. Um, props to Geno. I think he started off 12 of 12 or something like that. So he got off to a pretty good start. Had a, had a pretty good performance overall. Um, 
And for the Broncos, it just seemed like to me, I mean, they, they put good drives together and they just kind of stalled out, you know, uh, red zone offense really, really hurt them, I think, for most of this game or for a lot of it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the Seahawks, they did win, but to an extent it does, t- to me, kind of feel like the the Broncos lost it in a, a little bit at least. And um, I have DK Metcalf in one of my leagues, and it's it's going to be a frustrating year uh, <laughs> to deal with uh, Geo Smith, I guess. But um, I guess his target share is, I guess, very high up there compared to any other guy on the on the offense. So um, it's going to be a struggle. But I think DK Metcalf is still the guy um, in Seattle to get the, the touches. But um, Josh, any uh, final thoughts on this one? I'm I'm good. T- Tony, you wanna? Yeah, sure. Uh, as a as a Russell Wilson fan since the day he was drafted by Seattle, this was a very bittersweet game. Um, but I will say, after this game, I think when when they're when they're watching this, they're you know like the highlights and stuff and what they need to fix. I mean, they're they're going to be looking in the mirror at themselves on how they lost this game. Um, literally, almost every statistical category was in Denver's favor except. The points, which is the most important. Um, so really unfortunate for them. I think Joe Buck, uh, our buddy, uh, made an interesting point um, at the end of the game when uh, they were talking post-game and said that this new trend of a lot of people like resting their players during the preseason, which I totally understand because it seems like every year we hear of a freak accident or a freak incident where a big player on a team gets a stupid injury in a preseason game. And because of that, uh, a lot of their players were out of sync because none of them played. Um, On the contrary, guys like Geno Smith um, were playing those preseason games because they were trying to win their jobs. So I think that's why, in uh, I guess from an outsider's perspective, why maybe you could consider that. Um, Because it really did seem like the Broncos' offense was out of of whack at times. And and in the crucial moments, they really – it seemed like they folded – Poor management, again, also with coaching and play calling. As Parker uh, was as, – as we were kind of talking during the game, Parker always mentioned this, that it seemed like every time that they snapped the ball, there was like two seconds or less on the on the play clock by the time that they snapped the ball. And, like, that's just it's, – it's not going to work. Um, you got to get Aram the plays. I that. Or Aram said that, probably, yeah. But, yeah, so, like, you, it's just – it's not helping the team at all when you're doing that. So, definitely uh, – a lot of areas to clean up, but, uh, I, you know, it's week one. Hopefully uh, it gets better for them. I, I think Russell Wilson will remember this uh, for Hackett, even knowing he has Russell Wilson deciding to kick the field goal instead of instead of trusting his quarterback that they re-signed for a lot of money. Um, but, ho- I mean, hopefully everyone kind of moves on from it. Uh, also, I just want to add a quickly note. Um, I think this is kind of cool. It was the uh, most watched Monday Night Football game since 2009. And uh, this was the most watched uh, week one Monday Night Football game since 2006. Um, got just under 200, or just under 20 million viewers, which I thought was pretty impressive. Um, so uh, I think a lot of people were tuning in and Parker's guy, Mr. Hackett, definitely made the mistake in front of all these millions of people. So, <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was kind of cool, though. Uh, I mean, you guys covered it all. I mean, it just boggles my mind to see how unprepared 
um, that offense looked. And I'm not sure how much um, of it was on Russell Wilson or how much of it was on Hackett's play calling or how he functions functions as an offense. But those uh, goal line calls were very similar. Um, those little shotgun runs that just never worked. And um, you can't really blame the play calling for fumbles at the goal line. I get that. Um, they were definitely shooting themselves in the foot, but also Nathaniel Hackett's inability to get his offense to snap the ball with more than five seconds left on the play clock consecutively for like five plays was just mind boggling. They didn't seem like they were prepared um, and they had so much time to prepare for this. As soon as Hackett got higher, the schedule was, the schedule was out already um, and they knew who they were playing. Um, so, I mean, it's just kind of, worrisome to see this uh week one but then again it was a tough atmosphere maybe it got in the head of Nathaniel Hackett and a little bit of Russell Wilson too but uh, just an equal effort in a bad way for Denver just to, to lose a game on the road uh when it was such a big game for Russell Wilson I thought uh, Russell kind of deserved a little bit better than what he had um and if you pay a guy 256 million dollars to get five yards and you have three timeouts I think you got to Brian DeBole it, man. Just go for it. You're supposed to go for it. You're not supposed to kick 62-yard field goals when those uh, historically have not gone well. Um, and kind of just a lapse of judgment, I guess, um, for Nathaniel Hackett. But um, that's going to do it for uh, week one of the NFL. Uh, Parker, if you have any uh, headlines, news, or injuries to go over, um, now is the perfect time. You, you muted. Muted, yeah. Sorry, my bad. Um, the Steelers one for now. Um, Najee Harris, uh, I believe, is day to day or week to week, um, something like that. So not too serious. Uh, while TJ Watt, I believe he's seen two or three um, different doctors about this uh, pec injury, and he's going to go the non-surgery route. So it looks like he'll be missing like six or so weeks which is um, kind of brutal news, but I guess good news for Steelers fans, I, I guess, if, if, uh, you know, if, if that is uh, a way to put it. But the Cowboys, uh, as, we put, or as we talked about, they're not going to put um, da uh, Dak on the IR. Um, he's going to be missing um, less than four games, supposedly. Um, I, I don't know about that, but... Um, that looked like a pretty devastating um, injury uh, to me. But um, some news out of Indianapolis. They cut their kicker, Rodrigo Blankenship, after he struggled in uh, week one to make field goals and signed Blake McLaughlin um, as his replacement. Um, just um, another um, sad injury news is Jamal Adams. He suffered a quad injury in the loss to the Broncos, and he'll – most likely be out for the season is what I'm hearing. A pretty bad um, injury for him. Um, Elijah Mitchell, he's going to be missing eight weeks with a sprained MCL. Uh, that's a tough one for them. Um, the Eagles, Barnett, he suffered, suffered a season-ending knee injury uh, in the win against the, uh, the Lions. Mac Jones, as uh, you guys were talking about earlier, he – it looks like he just has back spasms and should be day-to-day -day with uh, the hope that he can go on Sunday. Uh, there's def there's other there's been some other uh, players that have been ruled out. Um, 
for Sunday, but um, I can't remember who. But uh, maybe you guys have some other info. Those were pretty much mo the mo uh, more major um, like injuries, etc., that uh, happened around the league. Yeah, nothing really too much to add. If anyone has anything else, they can certainly uh, come in. But um, I think now what we'll what we'll do is we'll go to the lightning round for picks. Um, <laughs> Uh, we're going to have to probably do this a little quickly here, but um, we'll start with the Thursday night matchup. Chargers at Chiefs. The Chiefs are three and a half favorites. Um, Parker, we will start with you. They're, they're yeah, I'm going to take the Chiefs now. in this. Wait, what was that, Josh? The line has moved. It's Chiefs minus four now. Minus okay. four Chiefs. Okay, sorry. I got to keep up with these changes. You're good. I will take the Chiefs in this one um, just based on what I've seen. Uh, uh, from them in week one, it's a pretty good Cardinals team. Um, so we thought anyway uh, that they can definitely um, do that against the – well, see if they can do that against the uh, Chargers. So um, I've got the uh, Chiefs in, in that game. Okay. I'll take okay, – I'll take Chiefs minus four as well. Johnny? Chiefs minus four. Oh. I well, am taking the Chiefs to win, but I'm not taking them to cover. I think they win ooh, by a field goal. Um, okay, so Chargers plus four. Yeah, Chargers plus four. Oh, this um, is the and, Thursday night game on Prom Video. Oh, and no one can watch. Yeah, <laughs> mm. I might be able no to watch. No one's gonna finally. get to watch, right? Yeah, yeah. so stupid. How <laughs> um, do you agree to that? I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Panthers <laughs> at Giants. Um, it looks like Giants are minus two and a half. I'm not sure if they've changed it yet. Yeah, still minus two and a half, Parker. Giants and, and who? Uh, Panthers. Panthers visiting Giants New York. Giants and Panthers. Ooh. Um, you know, I'm going to say that the Giants stay hot and the Panthers lose. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the uh, Giants. And Josh? Uh, I'm, Panthers are kind of the home team for me. I'll, 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 I'll rock with Baker again this week. I'll take the Panthers plus two and a half. And uh, Tony, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll take Carolina plus two and a half. I will also take Carolina plus two and a half. Um, moving on, we got the Patriots at Steelers. Uh, let's see here. The line is, oh, it's now it's a one and a half um, towards the Patriots in Pittsburgh, Parker. I'm going to take the uh, Steelers in this one. I think that... Um, the Patriots got a lot to figure out still, and uh, I think that the Steelers should kind of have a better little plan going on um, in, in Pittsburgh there. Hey, Josh? Uh, yeah, I like the Steelers here, plus one and a half. And don't oh, I'll take the uh, – I think the Patriots get it figured out. I'll take them uh, minus, five, uh, minus one and a half, sorry. I am taking the uh, Steelers um, one and a half. So uh, moving on. Sorry, catch up. Moving on, we got the Bucks at the Saints. It looks like the Buccaneers are favored to win by three points. Um, if they haven't changed the line on me, uh, you got it. Yeah, minus three. We're good. Yep, minus three. Uh, Parker, Bucks at Saints. I got, I got Saints uh, plus three in this one. Uh, Josh? Uh, 
tough to go against the home underdog, but I'm going to do it on this one. I'll take I'll take the Buccaneers minus three on the road. I think Brady gets his first win against the Saints. Uh, Tampa Bay minus three. I also think so. Um, I think the Bucs cover. Uh, next, we have the Jets at the Browns, and looks like Cleveland is um, favored to win by six points. So Browns minus six, Parker. Sorry, Cleveland in, 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 in who? Uh, hosting the Jets. The Jets. Um, ooh. I'll take uh, Cleveland just based on talent. Okay, Josh. Yeah, six feels like a large number for the Browns, but I'll, I'll take them on this one. I'll take Cleveland on a six. Okay. Tony? I agree. I think six is a big number, but, uh, yeah, again, knowing that Joe Flacco and the Jets offense played the way they did, I'll take the, the Browns minus six. Okay. I Again, I think the Browns win, um, but they don't cover the six points. I think they win by a field goal. Um, so I, they do not. I think uh, the Jets uh, plus six, if you want to. I don't know if that's how you say it, but. <laughs> you got um, it. Sweet. Moving on, we have the Dolphins at the Ravens with Baltimore being favored to win by three and a half. Parker, Dolphins at Ravens. Ooh, this is going to be a good game. Um, I'm going to take the Ravens. Sorry, Josh. Um, I, I think okay. Lamar Jackson has success over the of the Dolphins in his career, so I'm, I'm going to take um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take uh, the Ravens. Okay, Josh. Uh, I'm going to let my home runs get the best of them here. I'm going to take the Dolphins pl uh, plus three and a half here. Do they win the game? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Of course. <laughs> That's a total homer pick. But... <laughs> hey, That's how I feel about him. Tony, what do you think? I want to pick the Dolphins, but I just... That, that Ravens offense looks so efficient last week so uh, I'll, I'll take Baltimore to cover the three and a half yeah um I am taking Baltimore three and a half I think um the Dolphins they're almost there I think they'll be able to beat the better teams down the road uh but it's a tough test on the road right now um I just don't think they're ready yet but the, they'll, they'll have a good showing um but I'll take the uh the Ravens uh next we have the commanders at Detroit Parker the line right now it was two and a half Detroit. I'll let you know if anything changes. It's now it is two. just Detroit two. Yeah. Yep. Um, Detroit hosting the Commanders. I got the Commanders winning this game on the road. Okay. I like that as well. I think the Commanders stay hot. Uh, I'll take the Commanders plus two. I think they win this one. Okay. Tony? I'm taking Dan Campbell, he's sons of guns. <laughs> I think the Lions covered the minus two. I'm with you, Tony. I've been holding it in, but watch your kneecaps, Mr. Take Command. <laughs> I think I'm taking the Lions here at home. Um, next, we got the Colts at the Jaguars, a rematch of last uh, year's Week 18. Um, the Colts are favored to win by apparently four from the last time I saw. Um, I'll let you know if that changes, Parker. Uh, Colts at Jaguars, Colts minus four. Yeah, I want to take the Jags on this uh, on this one. I think that the Colts uh, still got to figure some things out, um, and the Jaguars somehow um, upset them and win this game. Okay, happening again. Um, Josh, what about you? Yeah, I think I pulled the stat week 18 last year that the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville in like six years or something ridiculous. Um, 
And so I'll I'll take the Jags plus four. I'll take the Jags to pull the upset at home on this one, just because it's the Colts. Right. Uh, Tony? I'll take Jags plus four as well. This doesn't seem like the smart pick to me, but. Right. <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out. We'll find out because yeah. I'm taking the Colts. I think they get off the schneid. Ooh. I think. There you um, go. Matt Ryan is the lucky Colt, I guess. I guess we'll see. But um, lucky Colt. Uh, next, we'll move on to the Falcons at Rams. A few years ago, this was a playoff matchup, and now these two teams are totally different. Um, the Falcons are uh, 10 point underdogs to the Rams, Parker. Um, Falcons at Rams. You know, I'm going to take the Falcons uh, with that, uh, but I think the Rams win. Okay, so they do not cover the spread? Nope. Okay. Uh, Josh? Yeah, I'm I'm thinking along the same thought process. I think the Rams win this game, but 10 10's a lot for me in this one. Uh, I'll take the I'll take the Falcons plus 10. But I do think the Rams win this game. Okay. Tony. I kind of agree with all you guys, but I I'm, I'm going to take the alternate route. I'll say Rams minus 10. Okay. Um yeah, 10 points is a lot to cover. I think the Falcons are a little uh, stingy on defense. Um, they have a good secondary. Um, tough task for Cooper Cup and company, but um, I Definitely. think the Rams win, but they do not cover the spread. Moving on, we have the Seahawks at 49ers, a division matchup, NFC West. Um, it looks like the 49ers are 10 points. It was eight, eight and a half, but maybe the Jamal Adams news, maybe put a um, a hit in that, but now it's Parker, it's Seahawks at 49ers, 49ers, 10 point, um, <laughs> 10 point, um, potential winners. I don't know how to put it. <laughs> uh, you know, I think I'm going to go along the thought processes of, of the last one, um, where I'm, I'm going to take the Seahawks with the points, but I think that the 49ers win the game. Okay, Josh. I'll, I'll take the Seahawks with the points as well. Uh, I'll take a flyer and say that they pull an upset. At the very least, I think they cover the 10 points. And anytime the 49ers lose, it's good for the Dolphins draft pick. So, I like it. Tony. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. Uh, I'll take uh, – I think San Francisco wins, but I, I don't think they cover. So, I'll take uh, Seattle plus, plus 10. Yeah. Um, this is kind of a tough one because I think the 49ers win regardless, but – I think um, I think the offense will show a little bit more here. I think they'll they'll win by multiple touchdowns. I'm going to take the 49ers uh, with 10 points. Um, Ooh, nice. Yeah. Next one, we got Texans. Texans going to uh, Denver with uh, the Broncos being, I think, uh, yeah, 10 point favorites. Parker, uh, Broncos hosting the Texans. Ooh, tough one. Um, I'm going to say Rusk back on track. Um, next game, I think uh, they'll, they'll probably, you know, trust him a little bit more after coming with all that heat. And I, th I think that they uh, bounce back and, and win this week. Do they cover the 10-point spread? Um, I'm going to go with no, actually. I'm going to take the uh, Texans with the, with the points, but I'm taking the Broncos to win this game. Okay. Uh, Josh? Yeah, this one's a little tough to say because, I mean, the Texans just tied the Colts. And do I think the Broncos are really 
all that much better or worse. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Um, tens a lot, but you know what? I'll I'll take. I might regret this one, but I'll I'll take the Broncos minus ten in this one. Okay. I'm going to keep my words on that one. It should be should be a tough one. I think the Texans pose tough uh, a, a tough secondary, tough defense, defense um, on the road. So, uh, Tony, what, what about you? Yeah, I, I'm kind of up in the air, but uh, after kind of thinking about it, I think I'll take Denver minus 10. Okay. Um, I'm kind of with Parker. Sorry, go ahead, Tom. No, you're fine. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I will take the uh, Broncos to win, but not to cover. Um, I think it'll be a tighter game. But uh, Cardinals at Raiders, Parker, it looks like the Raiders are uh, minus six mm-hmm. points at home. Yeah, I'm going to take the Raiders with this one. Um, I think that the Cardinals continue to, to uh, struggle. And I th- think that the Raiders kind of um, bounce back and, and, and win uh, this Week 2 matchup. Okay. Josh? Yeah. Uh, I'll say that the Cardinals – I like the Cardinals plus six in this one. Uh, hopefully their defense can kind of come around a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tony? Uh, I'll go Raiders minus six. Okay. Uh, revenge game for Chandler Jones. Um, I do think that the Cardinals win this game, um, and the whole world will be overreacting to the Raiders um, starting 0-2. That's my prediction. <laughs> so I'm going to take the Cardinals on this one. Uh, moving on, we got the Dakless Cowboys hosting the Bengals, and I think the spread was pretty big on this one. Seven and a half uh, for Cincinnati Parker, so Bengals at Cowboys. Yeah, I got Cincinnati with that. Okay. And Josh? Yeah, with Dak out, um, I'm a little more, a lot more confident. Cincinnati minus seven and a half. I like the Bengals here. Okay. Uh, Tony? Same here. Uh, unless uh, Elliot has the game of his life or Cooper Rush has a game for the ages, I think Cincinnati minus seven and a half is all but certain. Okay, we're going to rush away from this one. Uh, we're going to take uh, the Bengals seven and a half. Um, sorry, <laughs> Bears at Packers. Uh, kind of a surprising line on this. It's kind of disrespectful, Parker. Sorry. Um, Packers, 10 points, favorites at home, Sunday night football. Yeah, uh, Bears taking that dub. Got it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Josh. Um, I really feel kind of bad betting against Aaron Rodgers. I can see the Packers winning one here, but I don't know that I see them covering the 10 points. I'll take I'll take Bears plus 10 in this one. Okay. Uh, and uh, Tony. I agree. I, I think the spread's a little big, so I'll, I'll take Bears plus 10. Okay. Who wins, Tony? Green Bay. Who wins, Tony? No! <laughs> I think they're going to win. They just they have bad juju at Lambeau, bro. You know. Dude, this is a new year, new team, bro. Don't say yeah, that. Yeah, I all the time. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Parker. I'm with uh, Tony on this one, but I think they covered the spread at least. Um, or they don't cover the spread. So, um, Titans at Bills Monday Night Football. Looks like the Bills are favored to win by 10. Uh, Bills hosting the Titans, Parker. Bills hosting Titans. Um, that's a pretty large spread. Uh, I think Titans kind of bounce back a little bit, but I still think that the Bills win this game. I'm going to take the Titans with the points, but I think the Bills win. Okay. 
And uh, Josh? Re- this is a rematch of last year's one and two AFC seeds, is it not? Um, I think mm-hmm. so, yeah. I'll, yes, sir. Ten is a lot, but I'll I'll take the Bills minus ten in this one. Bills minus ten. And uh, Tony? I'll take I'll take uh, I think the Bills win, but I don't think they cover, so I'll take Titans uh, plus ten. Okay, I think the Bills cover the ten points, and I think the whole world will be uh, falling apart in Tennessee, overreacting again. But uh, I think the Bills win. Um, Vikings at Eagles. I think that it was a very tight one. Um, yeah, Vikings go to Philadelphia Monday Night Football. Eagles are favored to win by two points. Burger. I'm gonna take. Uh... I'll take the Vikings. I think the Vikings win this game. Okay. And uh, Josh? Yeah, I'll take the Vikings plus two as well in this one. I I think the Vikings pull the upset here. Interesting. Tony? Vikings plus two. You guys are so great. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, guys. I'm going to take the Eagles to cover. They got to prove it to me again. I'm a tough love fan. (laughs) Your <laughs> round thanks for the Eagles. You gotta keep voting for the other team until his right? team loses. Oh my god! <laughs> they gotta prove it to me again. Um, uh, next, uh, Josh, <laughs> if you wanna go over some fantasy uh, football, um, uh, just the fantasy football outlook for next week um, should be some interesting matchups. Yeah. Well, first off, I'll start with uh, a recap of last week. Uh, so, like, I have, like, a little bit of, like, a hot or not list. Um, I'll go through all of the positions, and I'll list off, you know, a handful of names of guys that were shocking performances and uh, guys that kind of were, were uh, duds last week. So, this is for PPR scoring, uh, my, my rankings here. But uh, some surprises of the week. Uh, at quarterback, Carson Wentz was quarterback three. Third highest quarterback with 27.72 points, despite having two interceptions. Wow. Jalen Hurts was quarterback four, which I thought was a surprise. Uh, that might not be a surprise to many, but he was quarterback four with 24 points. Uh, Jameis Winston was quarterback six with 21.6 points. I feel like he's always going to be a wild card the way that he likes to sling the ball around. And uh, Marcus Mariota. Uh, was actually the 10th-ranked quarterback this past week with 19.8 points, which uh, was a surprise to me. Um, getting into the running backs, uh, I think – oh, I guess I should have mentioned this as well. Uh, there's obviously guys like Mahomes and Josh Allen, guys that we know are going to put up points every week. I'm trying to really dial in on some of the uh, lower names that kind of uh, had breakout performances. But big name, Saquon Barkley – uh, I think people thought he would be good. I don't think they would be as good as he was. He was running back one this past week uh, with 33 points. Uh, another surprise, Kareem Hunt was actually running back four, the fourth-ranked uh, outperforming uh, Nick Chubb. Another surprise, uh, Cordero Patterson was running back five. Uh, I think there were always going to be some – I think a lot of people expected that, you know, with him getting up there in age, there was no way that the – the Falcons would use him more than they did last year, but he's, he's still finding a way to be productive. Uh, and then another surprise, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, he's a guy that uh, he was running back sixth uh, this past week. Uh, he was a guy that, you know, didn't really perform all that well. And, you know, he was like, last year when he was expected to in a high-power Chiefs offense. 
So, uh, yeah, he had a really good week. Uh, Dontrell Hilliard was running back seven. That's the backup running back for the Titans. Uh, seventh best running back in fantasy this week with 21 points. And running back number nine was A.J. Dillon beating out his uh, his RB1 in uh, Aaron Jones. Uh and as far as wide receivers go, I've got Devin Duvernay of the Ravens as wide receiver nine uh, with 21 points. And Robbie Anderson of the Panthers was wide receiver 10 this past week. Um, tight end standouts, O.J. Howard was tight end two. And Taysom Hill was tight end three this past week, which was a huge surprise. Um, in regards to the defense and special teams, uh, pretty much all of our teams uh, – all of our teams were in the top 10 for defenses this past week. And then as far as kickers, it's a tricky one sometimes. Uh, but Young Ho Koo was the uh, best kicker for the Falcons. Cade York with the Browns was number two. Uh, Riley Patterson of the Jags was number six. And Kaimi Fairbairn was kicker number nine with the Texans. Um so that's it for all of my uh, breakout performances from last week, going into the not-so-hot performances from last week. Aaron Rodgers, 3.7 points, worst of all uh, starting quarterbacks in week one. Uh, like like Prescott was second-worst of all starters, but considering the injury and everything, that's not as surprising. Uh, Matthew Stafford only had 7.8 points. Mac Jones only had eight. Uh, Trey Lance didn't even have uh, 10 points either. Uh, and a neat little tidbit, uh, Jacoby Brissett and Mitchell Trubisky both had better fantasy performances than Tom Brady this past week. <laughs> How about that? Right? Uh, running back duds from the past week, Cam Akers, zero points. Chuba Hubbard and Dante Foreman combined had 0. 0.8 points. Uh, <laughs> McCaffrey takes all those points in that backfield. Uh, Zeke was a bit of a dud with 5.9, Alvin Kamara with 7.6, and Derrick Henry only had 8. Just not what you would expect out of your running back one. Uh, going in the wide receivers, uh, Devontae Smith, 0 points, 0 receptions off of 4 targets. Allen Robinson only put up 2.2 points. Mike Williams only put up 3. CeeDee Lamb only put up 4.9. Uh, and then DJ Moore and DK Metcalf both had around eight points, which is not bad, but it's it's not it's not great considering where they were typically drafted. I talked about how all of our defenses, uh, all of our team's defenses were were really good uh, this past week. Uh, all of our tight ends were were pretty bad this past week. Cole Komet had zero points. Uh, Irv Smith had zero points. Mike Gesicki only had one point one. I think. Uh, I don't even know, honestly, where the Buccaneers tight end ranked. He, he wasn't up there. Dawson Knox only had 1.5. Kyle Pitts was a shocker, only had 3.9. Four points. It's his third worst fantasy performance, and he was the third tight end drafted in most leagues, which is tough. Uh, four defenses from the past week. The Cardinals, Lions, and Raiders were the only three defenses to be negative in the points, so I threw them out there. Um, and then for kickers, Nick Folk, Matt Prater, and Mason Crosby all had one point each. Um, and so that was it for, like, my hot or not. And then going into some uh, matchups and stuff, uh, some guys that I'm high on. And some of these are longer-term plays, but at quarterback, uh, this week at least, I think Baker at the Giants is solid. 
I think Carson Wentz could have another good week. Um, for running backs, I like Michael Carter. And then also like Rex Burkhead. He went undrafted in a lot of leagues, and he's clearly the RB1 right now until proven otherwise for the Texans. Um, Jeff Wilson of the 49ers, I think, is actually going to be a solid option at running back now considering Elijah Mitchell's injury. Uh, with that injury, Jeff Wilson should be the clear RB1. And then personally, uh, I think Ramondre Stevenson of the Patriots could be a long-term play. I think he could win out, uh, you know, some third-down goal line reps. Uh, it could boost his fantasy value. And then uh, running back, also like Melvin Gordon and Miles Sanders. Uh, as far as wide receiver, Christian Kirk, I think he's a clear wide receiver one. He's a guy that the Jaguars are trying to get active in their offense. I think he looks pretty solid. Also like Curtis Samuel, uh, this week in – uh, this week in particular, uh, I like Deontay Johnson. I think he can have a bounce back game, and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown as well. And then, uh, just for you, Parker, I'm I'm picking Darnell Mooney to have a bounce back this week. Uh, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, tight end, I've only got one Pat Fryermuth of the Steelers. Um, for the defense, I, th I like the Bengals this week, and maybe the Steelers. Uh, I don't know, and and the Browns as well. Uh, for kicker, I like uh, I like Justin Tucker of the Ravens. I see that going one of two ways. It's either the Dolphins' defense is really good and the Ravens have to settle for a lot of field goals, or the defense is really bad and the Ravens score a lot and he still <laughs> kicks a lot of field goals. So uh, I like Justin Tucker this week. Also like Graham Gano of the Panthers and uh, and uh, Ryan Suckup. Uh, for guys that I want to avoid. Gino got a little bit of hype from the Broncos win. I think people might try to target him. I don't think they're quite there yet. I don't I don't think people should be too reactionary with him. Also not uh, sold on Joe Burrow this week uh, with his matchup. We'll see how that goes. Uh, running backs, big one I really think people should avoid is Dontrell Hilliard. He had a great week this past week uh, with the Titans, but that's such a fluke performance for him to get those those touchdowns, I think. And I don't see that, I don't see him being consistent with that at all. Um, Cam Akers, I also see as you know, Cam Akers, Nick Chubb, they're both guys that appear to not even be getting the best production on their own team at this point. Um, wide receiver, uh, this week in particular, Rashad Bateman against the Dolphins. Uh, Robbie Anderson's another guy that's a waiver wire target for a lot of teams, and I don't see him replicating last week's. Uh, success last week he got really lucky with like a 75 yard bomb late in the game for the Panthers and had it not been for that he his production would have been significantly lower and then uh CeeDee Lamb out on him until I figure out the whole Cooper Cup situation um tight end uh, I'm out on Cole Komet right now I understand that he had zero points last week and like the rain game and everything completely forgiven for that but my issue with that is that Ryan Griffin was in over him at times and actually had more targets. Uh, defense and special teams, I'm out on the Chargers and Chiefs this week because they play each other. It's two high-powered offenses. And then kickers, it's hard to predict these again, but I'm kind of out on Jake Elliott and Jason Myers. And funny enough, I wrote down Rodrigo Blankenship. Uh, so uh, there he goes. The man was automatic <laughs> in Georgia, I think, but tough break for him. So, yeah, uh, hopefully that wasn't too long-winded, but uh, – that's that's my guys. So 
That's awesome, Josh. That's some good stuff. Um, personally, I I think uh, the Damian Pierce situation is very weird. I don't know what Logan Smith is trying to do <laughs> in Houston, uh, but Rex Burkhead seems to be the guy right now. Um, but I think long-term could be, um, it should be Damian Pierce to take the carries uh, for the team. But uh, that's some good stuff. Um, I think it's time to to end everything off, guys. Any final words? Any final thoughts? Tony, Parker, Josh? Are we good to go? Okay. Like and subscribe. Yes. Like and subscribe. Thank you. Sorry, go ahead, Tony. It's a great first week. Can't wait to see week two. I guess I don't know. I, I agree. Um, let's see if we can keep the Yeah guys uh, undefeated. Maybe 2-0 and this weekend, too. Uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you very much for watching and listening.